I get frustrated because I would just really, really love to uh, go for a walk. I love the rain. I love the rain too, but when it like impedes you from actually being outside for long periods of time, that that gets on my nerves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I need to uh, sort of exercise and stuff like that as much as I can for my diabetes. So. Uh, you have diabetes? I didn't know that. Yeah. We uh, talked about it before. Yeah. You know, yeah, you have actually. Yes. Um. <clears throat> so uh, it makes it tough to get that exercise because I don't have like a treadmill or anything at home. So. Yeah, we have a treadmill. I use. I've been using that a lot lately. Yeah, I I need to get like a now that we have more room, like maybe a treadmill or an elliptical or something like that in the house. But the other thing is, I don't like like we don't we filled up this house pretty quickly. We don't have a huge amount of room here. Like we still got we got a lot more room than we did in our loft. But um, I don't like the idea of having just something huge like that just taking up a bunch of space. Yeah. Mm. So. I don't know. We'll see. You can get one of those ones that, like fold down or whatever. You can get them. Ours folds up if you want, like, to put it up. It is a pain in the ass to get folded up, and it still takes up a shit ton of room. Yeah, but it is foldable. It makes it easier to move. That's about it, really. Yeah, this is probably the most we've ever talked about, uh, like ath- athletics and exercise and stuff like that on our nerdy podcast. <laughs> on our nerdy podcast, yeah. yeah, and physical physical activity in general. <laughs> I'm desperately trying to be more physically active because, like, sitting every day um, behind a desk, I just, ah, mm-hmm. I can't. You should get them. Uh, my new, my new place has standing desks, like the uh, whatever, like the automatic yeah, you could be, ones. You could be one of that brand of douchebag. Yeah. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that. <laughs> actually, I'm gonna be that douchebag when we move into the new building at work. Yeah, I, I use mine a lot. Like, I stand for like at least three hours a day. Try to anyway. So mm-hmm. when I'm working, because it's just. Otherwise, I'm sitting in front of a computer all day, then whatever. Yeah, and then you're just like, oh, look, I haven't moved. I've walked me. That's why I have my Fitbit. It shames me. Oh, yeah. It's I like, can't, I've I walked can't. no times today. I can't hack that <laughs> shit. That makes me angry. You've watched negative, walked negative steps today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but I have walked. They're like, no. No, you haven't. Yeah. You, you sat more than you walked. So there you go. Bums me out. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to Dance Robot Dance. We are at episode forty-two this week, I think. Mm-hmm. Forty-two. Oh, crazy. Um, I'm Mark. I'll be your host this week. Uh, I'm here with the regular crew. So say hello, Christy. Heyo. Say hello, Tim. Have happy comic book day. Free comic oh, book day. We're gonna Free get comic book day into that early. <laughs> um, that's kind of it for the news this week, unless you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. I think so. <laughs> seen it tonight. Seen it tonight. I think you guys are both going tonight, right? I am. Yeah, seen it in 2D, which I'm not super happy about, but I wasn't the one planning the uh, uh, the trip, so I'm just going along with everybody else. Oh, there goes my dog barking at something. Somebody. Oh man, I thought that was like Mark whispering something, being like, "Fix your mic." <laughs> no, um, not yet. Anyway, I'm sure you'll yeah. eventually have to be told. Uh, yeah, no, I saw it on Thursday night, so I'm looking forward to hearing you guys' thoughts on it. It was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Quite yeah? Bit. Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry if we have to, uh, put it off until <laughs> next week. Yeah. Because I'll be away. Uh, I've seen, I've seen, uh, all the reviews I've seen have been generally positive. I wouldn't say they've been, like, oh my god, glowingly positive, but yeah. they're, they're all at least like, yeah, it's good. They're not glowing, but they're it's it's a good movie. There's definitely some issues with it. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it's hard to follow up the phenomenon that was the first movie. That's yeah. true. Yeah, 
Well, that's the thing too, right? Like everybody's expecting it. Like now they're they have expectations on the movie, whereas like the first one, nobody knew what it was. Like even I'm a Marvel diehard, and I was still like Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like just buy the X Men back or something. Like, <laughs> but was pleasantly surprised when I went and saw it. So it was like, all right, cool, good. But now now it's like you're in the second one, and everybody's like, the first one was amazing. This should be the greatest movie of all time. It's like, well. No, it can't yeah. really live up to that expectation, right? Like it's not gonna it's not gonna surprise you the way the first one did, so yeah. there you go. Yeah, I'm just I'm just hoping they don't try and make the same movie again kind of thing. No, they really don't do that. It's Take still it's a it's a lot of fun. It's it's definitely a sequel. Like it's like, good. like a second part to the story. It's pretty good. I enjoyed it. I love Drax now more than anything in the world. <laughs> So <laughs> you must be so embarrassed. Yeah. Do me. Oh man. Do me. He's on fucking fire through the whole movie. So <laughs> you guys are gonna enjoy it. I did see a really good uh, uh video that I think Marvel posted that was um they did a lot of good like viral marketing stuff, but there was one that was uh Chris Pratt um showing off some of the props from the movie. And uh one of the props was Dave Batista. Yeah. It's like, yeah. this is our Dave Batista prop. He's really fun to play with. And he was just like hanging stuff on Dave Batista while like <laughs> Dave Batista was clearly annoyed and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> did you see the one of them painting portraits of each other? I did. Yeah, I saw that one. I too. Saw that, that one too, was also yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Whereas, and Dave Batista does like what a like a sort star. of impressionist, yeah, sort of uh, picture of <laughs> it's like, this is really the heart of uh, Chris Pratt. And then Chris Pratt's just like, yeah, I'm just going to try my best to actually draw Dave Batista. And he does like a beautiful job. Yeah. <laughs> it still makes me laugh that he is like, uh, he's like The Rock. He's like a former pro wrestler. Yeah. And he's done so well for himself. Makes me kind of happy. Yeah. And there's one, isn't one of them says to the other, like, damn it, there's nothing you're not good at. Yeah. Yeah. Batista says that to Chris Pratt. Says that to Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, so that's kind of it for the news. We're trying to keep things condensed because these music episodes always go long. We're doing records Spoilers. again, guys. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, so let's go, let's jump right into Geek of the Week. Um, no what are, Sting? What are no we supposed sting? to do now? What are we, oh, what are we, sorry, sorry, right, No Sting. sting. <laughs> I was waiting, Christy looked like she was contemplating, like, yeah, the best way. way. Yeah. But, like, she was like, how am I going to do the Sting this time? <laughs> yeah. No, I was thinking, what was the geekiest thing I did this week? Christy clearly put a lot of prep into this week's episode. Whenever I have to, whenever I, I say Geek of the Week, I always have to pause so that you guys could like Geek of the Week and then do that. Sting. Are you gonna pull your horn, Tim? <laughs> it's not that kind of horn. We'll we'll no. get to that. Oh, okay. It's not it's not a shofar. Chris... Sorry, I'm out of it. Christy singing <laughs> songs about blowing. Yep. So that's that's where we are right now, guys. That's, uh, we're doing really well. Good, good, good that we're falling apart 42 episodes into the podcast. But. Yay! Wouldn't that be great if, like, from here on out, it was just like a steady decline into yeah. like, our mutual insanity? Yeah. Like, no, another... guys, it's just our midlife crisis. Yeah. Wow. Well. It's, like, it's like 40 episodes of us just going slowly crazy. And, that's. Like, and... <laughs> Actually, you're probably not far off at this point, so that's good. Tim, why don't you start us off? Uh, geez, I had a lot of geeky stuff I did this week. I was traveling all week for work in Columbus, Ohio, which is a surprisingly geeky city. I mean, it's a college town. It's where Ohio State University is. So they've got a bunch of, like, arcade bars and stuff like that. I went to one of those. They have a huge bookstore. Um, 
in like their little German village area, which is just like any book nerds like dream. It's just like but like a maze of different rooms and like every genre you could possibly want. But uh, I think overall, the geekiest thing I probably did this week. Plus, I went to my local comic store for a new comic book day or free comic book day today. Um, but last weekend, I went to uh, the Georgia Renaissance Festival uh, with some friends from the uh, Atlanta Tolkien fans group. And uh, cool. yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I uh, broke my kilt out for the first time in a long time. It's the first time that I've actually fit into it in quite a while. So that was nice. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, I haven't done a whole lot of Renaissance festivals, but I've done the Georgia one four or five times now or something like that. And it's always a lot of fun and, you know, go around. I drank my face off and uh, all the mead. Yeah. Yeah. All the ales and meads and. Yeah, they have, like, mead that's on tap. Because there's a, an actual, like, meadery based out of Georgia, like, the Atlanta area. I think that's, like, the new, like, trendy thing. Like, you know, craft beers and ciders are kind of, like, at, like, saturation point now. So now, like, craft mead is the next thing that I'm starting to see pop up. It's kind of mm. topical, though, because, like, uh, it, it factors into American Gods a lot. And that show started last week. Oh, so. oh yeah. yeah it's so did. cool. Um, but And also there, I picked up my uh, drinking horns, which I've been eyeing for a while. Uh, well, I've been eyeing a drinking horn for a while. And they happen to have one that had the uh, White Tree of Gondor on it. Uh, oh, car- cool. Carved into it. And so in a little, like, strap so you can hang it off your belt. So I'm going to proceed to pour my beverage for this week into the drinking horn. And uh, drink out of that. It holds about like one beer, like about twelve ounces, like perfectly. So, yeah, I now awesome. I now have a about what foot and a half long yeah, uh, that's drinking horn. Massive. It is. It's it's a beast. So, cheers, fellow nerds. Or did you say you just poured beer in that? You uh, just poured wine in wine it. In, wine into it. Right? <laughs> it's not even one p. Or it is one p.m. It's one thirty. It's one thirty. Oh, it's the podcast. I always drink on the podcast. It's five o'clock somewhere, guys. Yep. And when we went to the fucking Renaissance Festival, I was drinking at ten thirty a.m. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get to this point in your life, Christy, where it I'm doesn't seem my tea. it doesn't seem unreasonable to drink in the <laughs> midday. There's two shots of vodka in my morning iced tea. So <laughs> always or just today? Just today. <laughs> well, sometimes, but I mean. <laughs> Usually, no. Today, Depend, yes. Depends how much you're dreading going into work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. So, yeah, that was my geekiest uh, thing I did this week was attending the Renaissance Festival. Awesome. Very cool. Christy. Oh, the geekiest thing I did this week was run around as a nun in a habit all around downtown Hamilton. <laughs> just for fun, right? Not, not, D- uh, no, not, not no, for any no particular affiliation. reason. No yeah. affiliation to Sister Act. Just <laughs> decided. <laughs> Nuns were good. <laughs> just stole the costume and we're like, this is what I'm doing this week. Yeah, yeah this is my thing. This is it. I'm, this is who I am now. <laughs> um, but um, it was it was very fun um, for the first hour. Um, and then um, it was, uh, it was, my feet were tired. And it was a lot of like, a lot of creepy Hamilton guys just being like, Man, I didn't know nuns were so hot now. And I was like, you know. Oh, yeah. Brah, that's, that's the brah, nah. Like, get out of here, man. You're so gross. Um, pretty gross. But it was pretty geeky because it was just like, it was musical theater geeky. Because I was just wandering around as a nun for three hours. <laughs> like, just 
just something else. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was probably that was probably my geekiest thing. Um, I'm still playing Dragon Age. I'm I've logged over a hundred hours, and I'm still not done. <laughs> it's, Yikes! And I'm trying to do it while I'm like trying to plan my new improv show that's coming up next month, and I'm trying to like do sister act four times a week and spend time with Mark and catch up on shows and there's just no time to play my video games. That means I can't get to Mass Effect and I'm having like mental problems about Mass Effect because I can't read I can't read anything about it online because I'm too afraid to be upset but things keep popping up and I'm just like (laughs) I don't don't know when I'll get to this. I don't want to know. Like the fact that they're already selling it at a discounted price. Uh... That noise is uh, soul dying, uh, listeners. Uh, <laughs> it sucks so bad. <laughs> it sucks so bad. How bad user- are the ratings for it? What are the, what's the user score on it now? I don't know. I'll go check right now. I'm going to check Metacritic. Yeah, let's watch Christy die inside just a little more. Um, ooh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 only got 67 on Metacritic. Just pop yeah, up. but like Metacritic always scores harsher. Well, then, uh, yeah. like the well, because Rotten Tomatoes, yeah, yeah. It's rather than okay. just like generally positive versus negative. Okay, let's see. Oh, user score out of 10 is 4.9. Yeah, that's about that sounds about right. But it's got a 73 now, which is better than the 62 it had like four weeks ago. Oh, they got another positive review on the critical side? Uh, oh, poor Chris. I don't know how I feel. I don't know how I feel about it. It's like Logan. Do I even jump in and try to be oh, like... You're going to play that. You know you're going to play that. You're not going to bitch out like you did on but Logan. But I don't want to... I will forever bitch out on Logan, and I have no upsets about that. But I just... I, I don't... Actually, no, I lied. I said I would go see the black and white version if I was free that day. That day. But... I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is my geekiest thing of this week is being this upset about Matt's <laughs> about, about, about a video game? Uh, Garrus is my lover and I'm upset because this has not done him justice and he's dead in the new game so he should have had his memory like commiserated and this just sucks and everything sucks and I'm going to eat some yogurt because it's quiet. <laughs> Yeah, you got some. You got some yogurt there. They've got some. They got the fruit on the fruit on the bottom. So Tim, I think you might actually be right. This may be the start of us unraveling. As they- <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Maybe like this is like the uh, turning point for like my like slow descent into alcoholism, yeah. which is a great song that will show up on an album that uh, will end up on my top list at a future episode. If we're based on uh, albums that we're talking about this week, I'm probably killing myself then because there's a lot of. <laughs> there's always a lot of that new music. Yeah, no. Well, Mark's music in particular is yes. always always super cheery. Yeah, but the, <laughs> my albums this week are particularly morose. Anyway, um, so I'll say my geekiest thing this week. I did a couple geeky things this week. I completely took apart and reskinned my drum kit last weekend on Sunday. So I bought all new skins for my kit which i have not done in years so every single piece got redone um i saw guardians of the galaxy on thursday night because i had nothing better to do and it was opening so that was fun but my the thing i actually wanted to talk about was i saw eagles of death metal and mastodon on wednesday night in toronto oh i didn't and, realize there's eagles of death metal as well nice. yeah they're touring together at this time so i got to see both of them 
And another, I missed the opening band. I can't remember who they were, but it doesn't matter. I saw Eagles and Mastodon. Mastodon was fucking awesome. So, yeah, I kept uh, messaging Mark in the middle of it just, uh, just to fuck with him. Like, you want me to just keep uh, keep on messaging you to distract you from your face melting metal show? Yeah, that's amazing, and I'm really glad you did it. It was pretty good. It was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Tim was asking me what I was wearing, and I was like, "Everything is black. Everything I own is black." No, I think I think I point. assumed everything was black, and, then and you were confirmed, and you were correct, <laughs> with, with the exception of my jeans, which were like the darkest blue wash you can get. Uh, everything else I was wearing was black. You know they make black jeans, Mark. I know I have a pair, but I just wasn't wearing them. <laughs> do that they? Night. Yeah, yeah, Christy, they do. They do. Wow. Yeah. They make them in lots of different colors. I have actually, I I have a I have a pair of um, black jeans that I can't fit into anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this is gonna be fun. Super sleepy. We're seventeen minutes in, and Christy cried cried like eight times. Usually she's more like tired and disjointed, like in the evening <laughs> podcast. When we do like a Saturday afternoon, she's giggling uncontrollably. This was the, was this your Tech Week? Is that why things are so? No, we're going into Tech Week. Yeah. So what is but, what is Tech Week? Tech Week is the week you lose yourself to theater. You uh, oh okay. sign your soul over to it. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was something to do with like at school or like at work. Oh, okay, I don't know what that means. I'm not a musical. Yeah. No, it's Tech Week is when you're there every day for as long as you possibly can be to finish everything off and polish. So it's not really about your performance anymore as it is about lights and it's about um, set and sound cues and all all kinds of. It's merging all of the blocking and and acting and music and choreography with the actual technical aspects of the show. And we're already, yeah, we're supposed to be. Um, polished at this point, and we're 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 almost there. We're almost there. It's just um, yeah, it's been a bit of a slug. It's usually not like it's long hours, but it's usually like you're not doing a whole lot. Like there are times where you're just sitting around waiting for them to fix a lighting cue or something like that. Yeah. So at the very least, it's uh, it's it's not super involved usually for the actors. They've told us though that we have to be there um past. 10 30 11 o'clock most nights and because i wake up so early to go to work i'm gonna be screwed <laughs> have fun with that okay well now i know what tech week is so that's it yeah. <laughs> you file that away in that uh, really useful knowledge useful of useful part of yeah useful useful information that i yeah. would useful fart knowledge <laughs> that mark will definitely use on a regular basis yeah falls yeah. <laughs> right in line with my day-to-day life uh Knowing how musicals operate, I guess it does now because Christy is like part of my well, at least week to week life anyway. When we were yeah. doing the podcast, I'm part of your existence. Oh no, <laughs> maybe that's why I'm having such a rough time. Probably. Yeah, there it is. Christy's- my bright sunshine is just making all of your clouds look that much more intimidating. That's possibly that is possibly <clears throat> it. The light from Christy makes the dark that much darker. <laughs> All right, uh, let's dive into the meat of the episode. Musical meats. Meat, 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 bologna. <laughs> My bologna has a first name. Yeah, let's sing songs about meat. My bologna has a first name. <laughs> O-S-D-A-R. My bologna has a second name. Is M-A-Y-E-R. 
something something can't you see you're the only one i'm actually i'm really nervous about this episode because i'm gonna get shamed for one or two of my choices as long as they're not greatest hits albums no no one of them sort of one of them or live one's a soundtrack one's a soundtrack well if it's like an original soundtrack and not like a compilation soundtrack (laughs) you're gonna hate me so much also (laughs) there's a country album oh (laughs) no jesus lord all right i hate these episodes (laughs) really i don't like people knowing when music dates because i don't know music yeah, but you're in a musical. How do you? Musicals are totally different ballgames. I know, yeah, but true. it's true. But you you wanted to be on a podcast with Tim and I, and we're record nerds, so no, I didn't want to be on a podcast with you. I want to be a podcast with Eric. Oh, <laughs> and the truth comes out. Forty-two episodes later, the truth comes out. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. That makes me feel really good. No, I only knew Eric and Stu when this started. Look what happened. Oh. I didn't even know. I knew Eric and Tim when this started, so that missed them. Yeah, we never, so we never even about... met Christy before the podcast. That's no, <laughs> no, you didn't. Except drunk. those times. Except those times that we did, and, don't and we're we're too drunk to remember. Christy's we and easy to overlook. Yeah. How dare you? Literally, actually, <laughs> my I can, personality. I can see. I can see. Clear over Christy's head if I'm in your, the same room as her. Your personality is like six foot two. Yeah, <laughs> seven feet. No, okay. I was gonna say that it's taller than me, but like it's still not taller than me. seven feet. No, six foot two. <laughs> All right. So we are. What are we? What are we doing? We're starting. So fifteen through eleven. I think we're at now. We are. At least yeah. That's what. I, that's what my my numbering says here. So yeah. let's let's get let's hop right in and uh, we'll start with Tim because I think we usually start with Tim. <laughs> All right. And uh, do your do number you fifteen. Number fifteen. Okay. Oh, I guess we should like. Do you want to recap our? our other we can recap our other quick. albums. Christy, do you have your list together, or am I gonna have to figure this out again? No, I have my list, but it's including the five. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my uh, my top ten uh, going from ten to one. Uh, my number ten was uh, Hot Fuss by the Killers. Uh, my number nine was Comfort Eagle by Cake. Uh, number eight was Abbey Road by the Beatles. Number seven was Give Up by the Postal Service. Uh, six was uh, Weezer's Blue album. Five was OK Computer by Radiohead, which is celebrating its anniversary this year. Yeah. Uh, number four was Funeral by Arcade Fire. Number three was uh, Smile by the Beach Boys. Uh, the version was released in 2011. Um, number, number two is Random Access Memories by Daft Punk. And my number one was Pinkerton by Wizard. Awesome. So now, do you want me to do my number 15? Oh, or oh you are, so I'll do our... Their, yeah. their we, let's do the recap first. So, right. Christy, do you, wanna, do you have your list? Can you do your recap yes, right I have my, I have my list. All right. Probably got so... like 13 entries on it. <laughs> We're top 10. No, I had my honorable mention um, was the Tarzan soundtrack, which I now realize could have gone on this list. But it's an honorable <laughs> mention, so it's not. So now it just exists completely outside of your top albums list? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> like the Muppet well, Christmas Carol. If you, hadn't, if you hadn't said anything, you could like have put it back. Yeah, I know, but it's it, it doesn't feel right anymore. <laughs> Honorable mention is just a floating Tarzan soundtrack. <laughs> Because Phil That's Collins a weird rocks. Mention to have too. Is no, it's not. Phil Collins is awesome. Phil Collins what a awesome. great soundtrack! That soundtrack was amazing. It's got some NSYNC on it too. 
Yeah, what him and Rosie O'Donnell? <laughs> they anyway. Mark Soul die. <laughs> um, fucking Rosie O'Donnell. Christmas. I album. love her. She doesn't <laughs> get enough cred. No. <laughs> you read your list? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be over three hours, folks. <laughs> oh, Tim, if you and I ever don't have Mark here, we're gonna have so much fun being positive. <laughs> Anyway, this is why I'm in therapy, guys. This is why. No, it's not. You're in therapy because of shitty women. I'm not a shitty woman. Um, Oh. Honorable mention is Tarzan soundtrack. (laughs) Then it goes 10 was Mumford and Sons, Sigh No More. And then um, 9, Bare Naked Ladies, Gordon. 8, Radiohead and Rainbows. 7, Death Cab Plans. 6, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship soundtrack. 5, Postal Service Give Up. (laughs) And then then 5 again. No, five was the remember it was one to five the previous one. So oh, now right, who's right. bad in that? <laughs> you. So yeah, it would actually probably bump Mumford and Sons then would be number eleven, but we're just gonna let that float. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. <laughs> no, actually, I'll move that one. I will move Mumford and Sons this one because we already have like half an hour of recording, so <laughs> the less the better. <laughs> what were your top five though? My that oh right oh that I didn't prep <laughs> oh that's why you said five <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired I'm so sorry if I remember I have no excuse I have no excuse Berg was number one Christopherberg and then it was um Imogen Jeffrey. Heap was number five Imogen yeah. Heap was number five and then it was uh, Postal Service was number three. Number four. Queen Live or something? Queen Live. Yes, thank you. The Queen Live album. And then, I should know this off the top of my head. And then, um, yeah, Mark already said the other two. So, you know, disjointed. <laughs> Humanities major. <laughs> anyway, my top my top ten was, uh, so ten was OK Computer by Radiohead. Uh, nine was The National's Alligator. Ten was Day for Night by The Tragically Hip. Seven, Jeff Buckley's Grace. Uh, six was Tools Lateralis. Five, Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Four, The Deftones' White Pony. Three, Matthew Goodband's Underdogs. Ten, Pearl Jam's Ten. No, sorry, two. Two, Pearl Jam's Ten. Yikes. <laughs> and then number one is U2's Octung Baby. What about ten? number ten, Pearl Jam's Two? Uh, they, they don't have an album called Two. Although they did just put You're out clearly a... clearly not a big enough Pearl Jam fan. Right? I clearly... <laughs> Must you not know, know. About I don't two. know. I don't know about two. <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have got really drunk before this episode. I think, <laughs> or started using heroin. Can you Why? Get those, those are equivalent. <laughs> um. So, number fifteen. Oh God, Tim. All right. Uh, my number fifteen. Um, this is an artist we've uh, we talked about um, on our bonus episode with Paul. Uh, but I'm picking a different album. So it's uh, Vampire Weekend's 2008 uh, self-titled debut album. That's what that's on my list. Fuck you. Oh, there we go. We're starting to <laughs> Get steal out of here. Again. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, I had a really t- hard time um, picking between this one and uh, and Contra though, because I really like Contra is also really good. Yeah, um, but I mean Vampire Weekend overall, like it's 
it's just a it's a really great album full of like interesting like intellectual catchy sort of chamber pop they like to play around with time signatures with song structure definitely play around a lot with instrumentation like they have winds and harpsichord and strings and yes i'm perfectly happy excuse me yikes to admit that it is uh, pretentious as fuck and that the lyrics are uh not super accessible and quite often obtuse but i don't care because it's fucking hooky as shit and i love melodic like hip hooky pop stuff Same. Um, indie pop kind of thing so uh yeah like the you can really get the beach boys influence on it for sure like i i think that vampire weekend are what would have happened if the beach boys were like all raised like like fucking bougie rich in new england and went to like ivy league schools instead of being raised like poor in california and being raised <laughs> like beach bums uh, That's funny. I think Ezra Koenig even looks a little bit like a young, like preppy Brian Wilson. <laughs> my my Vampire Weekend experience is is always marred by how, uh, like insanely pretentious they are. That that always kind of they are, but they they don't shy away from it, right? Like they don't, no. you know, they don't uh, try and like pretend that they're not. Like, they fully embrace that, and, <laughs> and I'm okay. Oh, <laughs> Choking on her yogurt. That's what he. <laughs> Jesus. It's great. It's great. So good. Are you okay? Uh... <laughs> we are having a rough go this week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, but I love the vocals on this album. They're really like earnest. They're bright. They're happy. There's some really nice harmonies and stuff like they're that. They're really good. Yeah, but it plays off... Um, some like really very academic themes, stuff like colonialism and art and religion and culture. And then there's also a couple tracks that talk about just sort of college, like campus life and that sort of thing too. Um, but there's uh, also some, some really interesting like world beat, like uh, international uh, influences. Like there's some reggae and African and Celtic influences on it too. And like, this is an album that is, uh, was very different than anything else that anybody else was putting out at the time, which is a common theme for a lot of my albums. Like they're albums that really stand out from the crowd in general. Um, and, uh, it's really reminiscent of an album that is going to appear later on my list today. So I won't spoil that one. Um, but yeah, I, like Mark said, like vampire weekend, yes, they're pretentious. I have this feeling like I didn't, I wasn't in college when vampire weekend started getting popular. But I have a feeling that the Vampire Weekend, like, you know, fans, the real, like, guys that were super into them, were the same kind of guys that were really into Dave Matthews' band when, like, Mark and I were in college. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Actually, that's a good Christy analogy. Christy could probably tell us uh, about that. Like, were there guys in, like, that were, like, super obsessed with Vampire Weekend when you were in Yes. Yes. Yes, there were. were well, a lot they, of them were artists. And were they douches? No. No? Not okay. the ones that I knew. All right. But I mean, douches like everything. This is true. And nothing. <laughs> uh, I do love that they have a song about Oxford commas. That's so great. I love Oxford comma. I do too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, it's got a punk, which was their first big hit, and it can't be denied. It's just like hooky and catchy as fuck, um, and super like easily identifiable right from that like 
opening the uh, opening chord. guitar riff. Incidentally, yeah. if you plug in when I plug in my, I have all the Vampire Weekend albums on my phone for some reason still. Whenever I plug my, I don't have anything playing already, and I plug it into my head unit, it starts at the top. Oh, and A punk is, is the first song. First song. Yeah. So I hear the opening of A-Punk all the time, and I'm always like, I don't want to... Yeah. It's so good. And I'm always like, I don't want to listen to this right now. <laughs> yeah. Skip. Um, um, but I also really love the, the like, um, woodwind, like, duet on the bridge in that song. And they're like... Yeah. It's yeah. really nice. Um, it's so good. That being said, I think I actually prefer M79 to A-Punk. Uh, it's just a really good like jangly pop song. It's got a really nice string part on the opening. Um, it's also a pretty well paced album. It's a lot of the well, a lot of the songs are sort of pretty similar in terms of tempo and stuff like that. Uh, although they do play around with song structure a bit, um, but uh, it ends on sort of a nice like relaxed note with uh, uh, the kids don't stand a chance, um, which is a little bit slower. Uh, and a nice like sort of yeah nice like sort of outro and has also has some nice like string parts to it so just overall the album like all the songs are at least good a couple of them don't quite reach great for me which is why they like why this is 15 rather than a little bit higher um like i'm not too big on like i stand corrected or campus they're still good songs and i'll listen to them but they're not my favorite songs on the album so yeah fair enough uh do i need to pick a song mark yes all right, the my song pick for this album is uh, is Walcott. Um, it's one of my top like three, probably top three Vampire Weekend songs overall, and they've got a lot of really good songs that I really like. But um, the hook on it is really good. It's uh, sort of a little bit somber of a song, uh, and uh, I also really like the the breakdown part with the uh, the cello in the middle of the song as well. So Walcott would be my probably my favorite song off, off this album. Nice. <clears throat> Are you okay? I'm still recovering. <laughs> From your choking attack. <coughs> Maybe Mark should go next then. Unless... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Christy can... Alright, my my number 15 album... Uh, I, just, I was shuffling my list around this week, and this one had been kind of floating in and out of the top 15, but I think it kind of solidified it based on having seen them this week. But I moved Mastodon's uh, Crack the Sky into the number 15 spot um and i'm pretty happy that i did uh i actually checked my itunes to see like what was like i always kind of check to see like what's my most played stuff and this album is way 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 at the top um for the past couple years so i was like it's like up there with my pearl jam and deftones kind of playthroughs like not all their stuff just this album so i was like i'm gonna move it up um this is kind of where mastodon moved away from being like when they started they were a really heavy sludge metal band and this is where they start to veer more into like a tool-esque kind of progressive kind of proggy progs proggy prog act um whereas like if i have to pick a song off this album it's almost impossible because it all just kind of like it's just an album to me like it's one big story um and it's it's dedicated to the drummer brent's uh sister sky who killed herself when she was 14 um, hence the suicide mentioned earlier. and uh, But it also tells the story of a paraplegic man who finds out that he can astral project, gets caught in a wormhole, goes back to Tsarist Russia, meets Rasputin, and then gets sent back to his body where he can now walk again. It's uh, So yeah, really, just, just a little bit proggy. Just a little bit progressive, yeah. So just <laughs> a little bit that. 
But they're such good musicians, and they do this thing. This is one of those things that I usually wouldn't get into, but they switch all... There's three. There's four guys in the band, and three of them trade off lead vocals. So you get three different kind of voices that permeate the album, especially on this one. This is where Brand, the drummer, starts to sing. So there's, like... Uh, Bill's got a really, like, harsh metal kind of voice, and the other two guys have a, a more... Well, Bill's got kind of a... Yeah, whatever. The bass player's got a kind of a cleaner nasal voice, and then Brand's got a very clear, clear, like, medium re- register voice. So they'll trade off parts. So, like, chorus will be sung by Bill, and then verse by whatever, like, one of the other guys and stuff like that. So they trade it off, so you get this really weird kind of mix of vocals and stuff like that. Um, Brand Daller is, like, up there with Danny Carey in terms of drumming. He's a fucking monster. Like, watching him on Wednesday was... I never really paid that much attention to the way the guy plays, but he is a fucking beast behind the drum kit. So, um, yeah, I, I've been, I've been, we've been toying with the idea of like, I want to do a, a series where, or not maybe not a series, but just an episode and try it out where we each give you, we each give the other people albums to listen to and then come back and talk about them after the fact, like to mm-hmm. see what our experience with them was. This would be the album I would want you guys to listen to just because, um, there's a huge story behind it, which I think Christy would enjoy. And then there's like insane, like kind of medley musicianship that I think would be interesting to hear your guys take on kind of thing. Can you actually make out the vocals or do you? Have Absolutely. To... <laughs> the, the vocals for the most part are actually pretty much clear, clean on, on this album. This is the first time Mastodon did like almost a hundred percent clean vocals. There's still some okay. kind of metal growling here and there, but it's more yeah. for acts. It's like the way the Deftones use Chino's mm-hmm. scream where it's more just for like emphasis and yeah. he's they sing screaming about, actual lyrics he's just yeah. screaming you know yeah. screaming yeah so they, they use it for like emphasis as opposed to the whatever so like most of the vocals are melodic and part of the the thing they do get it's like a tool kind of mix though where like the vocals are drowned out into the mix of like mm-hmm. this the music more so they sometimes are a little hard to make out cuz they don't necessarily just want you to focus on like traditional kind of pop music where the vocals are way way out front in the mix progressive metal tends to kind of keep the vocals inside the group's like dynamic range kind of thing so you're not just getting lost to like what's being sung it's like you're listening to the whole experience kind of thing yeah so but yeah i love this album i couldn't believe when i looked at it how many times i've listened to it like it's well over 100 times on my itunes jesus that I've, I've played <laughs> through it so yeah it's like it's up there with my other favorites so it's definitely an album that like if you like heavier music you've probably heard it already like they've become such a big name in metal the last couple years that it's kind of hard to deny like their album their new album which is shockingly it actually appeared on the billboard charts when it debuted a couple weeks ago so they've become kind of like a a name in a world where most of the time you know the, the billboard top 100 is filled with like Katy perry shit so yeah nice. the fact that a band like that can get in there is kind of yeah, especially in this day and age when music is so democratized and widespread and yeah. like even stuff that gets huge props like in, you know, certain communities does not uh, end up charting on like the overall charts. Yeah, the fact that they actually charted like when they when they released the album I was like I was surprised by it cuz they're it's not easy music to like get into. Like it's pretty fringy, but they're obviously mm-hmm. they've done a pretty good job. They tour like fucking animals too. Like they're just constantly on the road, so their fan base is pretty rabid now. So yeah. as I can attest to, like being in like a big group of them, I was outside, I was outside the mosh pit, but still like I was adjacent enough to it that I could see these people were like really into it and singing along to some of these songs. I was just like, this is pretty awesome. So 
I always kind of like that community, like the metal, the feeling of community inside the metal genre is always kind of a yeah. a nice thing. Even if some of the guys that are at the in the community are just like, I wouldn't want to associate with on a day to day basis. There's also some like uh, some sub communities in terms of like like white power and shit like that. And that's more punk, I think. the The skinhead stuff's more punk than metal, but there is oh that. no, there's there's there like Norwegian some... uh, like alt right metal and shit like that for sure. Yeah, but like in the in in the in the weird kind of like uh, progressive side of stuff that I listen to, it's usually yeah. they're pretty like yeah, that's usually... more death metally kind of stuff. Yeah, usually, usually the progressive side's the art school kids, right? Like that's kind of that side of the metal community. Mm-hmm. Like that's where guys like me get into it, where it's like, oh, I like it because it's they still have melodic stuff to it and blah blah blah. But whatever, and it actually makes you kind of like think about it, or you have to look into the lyrics and like what other band sings about like Tsarist Russia and shit like that and wormholes. It's weird, <laughs> it's bizarre. I'm gonna um, talk about an album that uh, talks about communism later, so maybe that's a, right. a, a theme. This uh, it might be this week. I don't think so. I think that's the only one that I have that talks about it. But <laughs> there is that. All right, Christy, have you recovered? I have. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Tell us about your number fifteen album. Well, um, I almost I actually realized after doing some flipping around that I had uh, my, my country song, uh, album is lower so you can rest assured that it won't be up this week so we have but, that to um, look forward to have that to look forward to is like three or four on here <laughs> but um, I'd say um, actually my number 15 would be Killers Hot Bus nice um, which we yeah talk. I love the Killers and that album like when I came out in high school like um, for me it was uh, it, it was just it blew up the school like and because no one had heard anything besides like Modest Mouse was the other band that came out around mm-hmm. like a similar time and um, what was that oh five? Oh, it had to be something like that, yeah. Because um, Hot Fuss came out in two thousand four. Mm. Um, but what I remember just about um, Hot Fuss was that like this, I just the sound of it was so new and unique and like yeah. it was my first real I think ex- exposure to indie rock. Um, or like just alternative. It's so yeah. It's right in between those like alternative and indie rock spaces. Like it's yeah. right on that cusp. Which yeah. is so it's a good gateway drug for people to get into it more was. sort of esoteric uh, mm-hmm. and 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 weirder, more challenging indie. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely like the um it's like the the pop version of indie rock. I think yeah, like it's it's very accessible and very clean compared yeah. to what some of the other stuff like and you would get into. It's especially it's, even modest mouse. Like modest mouse is so. Yeah, Moss like, was really good, but I found. But it's more artsy. Spoke to more it is, people. yeah, it's yeah. more artsy, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Whereas, like, I feel like, um, <clears throat> like Killers and Hot Fuss in particular inhabit the same space between like Indian alternative that U two inhabits between alternative and rock. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's a good comparison for sure. Yeah, and I still like that. Uh, one thing I liked about Hot Fuss was that it it kept that sort of like storytelling esque, um, feel to it. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of their songs were, you know, like, Mr. Brightside is, you know, everybody knows Mr. Brightside, and everybody yeah. knows how, like, weirdly awesome it is with the lyrics. I can't mm-hmm. count the amount of times I had to do covers of that song when I was yeah. at university. <laughs> but, yeah. like, and then like, all the things that, like, all the things that I've done, I remember, I just, I loved that song, and it was so new, and, like, the, just, the way you could, like, harmonize with it with your friends, like, it actually mm-hmm. made so it accessible. Yeah, it made it accessible. Yeah. And I found that with a lot of um, things leading up to that point, like uh, if you didn't know, um, 
you know, if you had a friend who was a really good singer, they were usually like the only one that could sing anything. Mm-hmm. But um, this one allowed for like five to six harmonies that you could play with with your friends and like on rock band, it was awesome. And it just kind of like, it opened up a world to accessible listening um, without feeling like you were, uh, you know, you could still sing along like it was the 1990s and it was Spice Girls. Whoa, Christy just got loud. I was going to say, Christy just like bumped, bumped up again. Okay. <laughs> We're going to have fun. Editing Mark is going to have fun on this yeah. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the vocals, like, it's not a really, like, the dude, lead singer doesn't have a massive range, right? No. no. He sings very expressively, but he's not, he's a pretty, like, solid, like, baritone. And but that's what, like, made it so fun to see. Yeah, exactly. Anybody can kind of sing along to it. You know, you don't have to be, like, a fucking, like, Freddie Mercury-trained, like, fucking vocalist in order to be able to, to just sing along and have fun. So that's part of the reason I really liked it. I mean, besides the music being phenomenal, mm-hmm. it was also just the fact that um, it it made people realize that singing with emotion could be fun, not just in musicals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not a technically, like, uh, amazing album or anything, no. but the songwriting and the production is just so fucking on point. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick, though, because uh, we don't have to go too much into this one because we've already talked about it, um, on the previous episode with Tim, um, oh, between it, it's hard between um, obviously the singles like they they get me, but uh, I think all these things that I've done would be my nice. my pick from that album. Even though like Jenny was a friend of mine is a pretty like mm-hmm. tight second with Mr. Brightside, but yeah, it's a, it's a really nice like uh, all these things that I've done is just a great like sort of indie rock anthem. Yeah. I mean, I've got soul, but I'm not. A, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. Is such a great line. Yeah, and so much uh, fun to sing along with as well. Just so in that much like fun. slow build kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that would be my my fifteen. Nice, awesome. Uh, fourteen. Let's roll back oh, around to back Tim. To me. Uh, all right. This one is maybe a little bit out of left field. Um, but uh, once I get into it, you guys will probably understand it. So it's uh. Um, Talkie Walkie by Air, uh, which is Oh, wait, Air, doesn't that have, um, oh, sorry, go on, go on. It has oxygen and nitrogen and carbon dioxide. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, so it's from, uh, 2004, uh, and it's, um, talk, or so Air is just basically this, like, um, production duo uh, and they're a couple of french guys uh and uh there's definitely similarities to daft punk but it's a little bit more mellow and downbeat not quite as dancey as daft punk is um, oh, i thought this might have been playground love but that's a different album no that is really nice as well uh but this uh i mean air has a lot of good stuff across all their albums and their um the soundtrack they did for the virgin suicides was really really oh, good as well on real but this i think is their most solid album overall and also kind of the one that i have the most sort of personal uh connection to um there's not as much like auto-tune as you get in daft punk there is still some but it's not like they don't lean into it as hard um there's more like actual instruments uh like there's a lot of acoustic guitar that see that uh sort of uh integrates really seamlessly with the uh synth and stuff like that there's also like really nice sort of breathy vocals and flute and strings and stuff like that um the moods and the themes the album play out plays off are stuff like mythology and spirituality and journey and like astral travel like traveling through space and there's also some like 
pretty heavy uh, tendencies towards like femininity and Japanese culture. Um, this is an album, like if I'm having a really rough day or something like that, it's an album that I'll just put on like just to sit back and relax to. And like, it's one of those albums I can just sit back and just kind of let it carry me away to a sort of happy transcendental kind of place. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably something Mark will really, really like. <laughs> okay. I always, and I, I, and I was going to, I'll say it at the end, but like, uh, post your list so that I can go listen. I will listen yeah. to everything you guys <laughs> post. I do that. I was talking about this with Paul yesterday because he was going on about perfume genius or something like that. Mm-hmm. A- and I was like, I listen to everything people mention to me. Um, yeah. but I just, it may or may not be something that I like, but I will listen to everything. So yeah. I'll give it a uh, shot. Yeah. I mean the, the real, like, uh, star on this album in terms of the instrumentals are like the synths like they're just really great ambient um you interesting sounds um every sound really heavily features synths but they each song kind of has its own flavor and they use like different effects or different uh different tonalities and that kind of thing um it's a really good atmospheric album it's a really good album to help you like come down from like anxiety or panic because it's got like really sort of steady beats um uh there's a lot of really good standout songs on it stuff like um Venus or Cherry Blossom Girl or Universal Traveler or Surfing on a Rocket are all really good. This album is um a really solid album for me. There's not a, a skippable track on it at all. Um they really explore the full dynamic range so there's really nice like full bass, there's great mids, there's like bright clear highs which is always something I look for in electronic music in particular because a lot of the time it's like super bass heavy and not much else going on on the top end. Um, they look so French. They are. They're super fucking French. Um, they also have a song called the uh, Mike Mills, which is totally instrumental, but it's about um the uh, music video director. Uh, oh, Mike okay. Mills. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like who did a lot of iconic videos in like the '90s and early 2000s for like Sonic Youth and Beastie Boys and Beck yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and uh. But the song that I would pick for this album um, would probably be, uh, I have to pick back and forth, um, either, I'll say I'll say Mike Mills is probably my favorite. Um, but it, like I said, it is straight up instrumental, but it's got like these really great like moogie synths, uh, synth part to it. And the uh, it's just good, like melodic, pulsing sort of rhythmic song. So yeah. That's everything I have to say about that album, which I'm guessing neither of you have actually listened to. No, I will. I will listen to it and I'll report <laughs> back after the fact. So fair enough. <laughs> um, we'll just move right along then. Uh, <laughs> we'll stay. We'll stay in the order we started in. So I'll keep going. Uh, number fourteen uh, is Pearl Jam's Vitalogy, which is not going to even surprise anybody, no. even in the slightest. <laughs> Um, I'm actually I'm more surprised that that wasn't I mean that's normally the album people point to for Pearl Jam to begin with yes, so yeah. I'm surprised that wasn't the fr- one you came to first No well like that's the thing I it's I it's I fight between the two of them but like mm-hmm. that that 10 album's got so much stuff on it that is just like huge yeah. and like kind of sticks with you kind of thing like that's the album everybody got into Pearl Jam on because of so that's why you would go Vitalogy's where Pearl Jam became kind of the Pearl Jam they are now, though. So it's like, this is where um, Eddie Vedder kind of takes over as the lead songwriter for the band and kind of becomes like the real leader of the band inside the band. Like, because yeah. when they started the band, it was more Stone writing the, the songs. Like, all the the first album is all written musically, at least before Eddie joined. 
and the second album was a little bit more kind of like wishy-washy kind of like written on the road and like with some old stuff kind of thrown in there this is the first more like one. straight alt in terms of like leaning harder or instead of like leaning harder into the grunge stuff like tended right yeah this is where they start getting into like the weird like the experimentation kind of starts with pearl mm-hmm. jam too so and that's also the reason why it kind of doesn't sit as high for me as 10 does because there's a lot of like weird interstitials and stuff on there that kind of like detract from the overall flow of the album to me like it's interesting that they tried some of the stuff that they do but it's not the strongest stuff and like even the strongest stuff like, this is where they started leaning away from like being super poppy and like having songs like daughter so like this is the album that better man's on yeah but eddie like they had to like con eddie into like recording it as a pearl jam song like he was trying to give that song away to other people to sing really yeah he didn't want to have it on a pearl jam album he thought it was too catchy like he wanted to be he wanted to be Fugazi. He didn't want to be Pearl Jam. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he wanted to be more alternative and like punk than what they are. They kind of became. Obviously, they've mellowed significantly, but like for a long time, Eddie Vedder was like probably Pearl Jam's worst enemy in terms of like becoming a popular, like huge act. And it's probably why the band survived to the point they're at now because mm-hmm. they did that and like they withdrew from like being the huge rock band kind of thing. But it is definitely, like, this is the album where, like, that starts to go away. Um, but, yeah, this is definitely, like, they fired their drummer that had been with them since, like, the 10 tour uh, right after this album was finished recording. Um, this is also recorded kind of in the midst of, like, it was also grunge dying kind of when this was recorded and released, like, yeah. 94. It's post-Cobain's death. Like, it's not a fucking, it's not a happy album by any stretch of the imagination. Not that any of my albums are ever happy. Or any of Pearl Jam's albums are particularly happy. No, no. No. Even if they're happiest, it's still like, oh, wait, it's post 9-11, so now we have to do the dourest thing ever. So, Or in the middle of the Bush administration. So <laughs> I'm super looking forward to if they put an album out in the next couple of years to hear what they'll have to say about Trump, because that's going to be an <laughs> interesting day. Um, But yeah, so like I've, yeah, I kind of grew up with this stuff. So like I don't really have a ton of way to like sell it to you but this is where they become like they go from being like the biggest band on the planet to being that grateful dead band like that everybody just kind of follows around and like does that kind of stuff it's also the same time this is when the ticket master shit happened like this is pearl jam at their peak kind of thing of popularity and it's also where they start just issuing all that and just like not wanting to have anything to do with it and like their next album like no code will just completely obliterate any kind of big stadium grandiose yeah. rock band kind of standing that they have so uh yeah so i guess i can pick a song i i flip back and forth like there's a lot of catchy like stuff that was probably singles but corduroy is my song it's like the first time i saw pearl jam in 98 was uh they opened with corduroy and it's been my favorite off this album ever since so nice yeah repping the pearl jam hard always i don't know any pearl jam that's <laughs> why you probably it's probably the sort of stuff like where you've heard it on the radio and you might not know that to, it's pearl jam. that it's pearl jam kind of thing but like stuff like better man or alive or that sort of thing you've yeah. probably heard oh yeah absolutely or or daughter or like uh what elderly woman behind the counter elderly woman yeah yeah songs that i hate when they play live now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i cringe whenever i hear daughter start i'm like oh shit well, that's the one too where like everybody really points to Vetter's like vocal styles. Like, don't yeah. call me daughter. Yeah. Um. Well, this is a, and it's that's the thing too. Like, by the time you would have gotten into music, Christy, like they would have kind of 
they weren't even remotely popular anymore. Like they weren't something that got played on the radio much. Like you would hear those singles, like you would hear the stuff from 10 and, and verses, like maybe a little bit of Vitalogy. But by the time you were like in college and like really into stuff, they had become the Pearl Jam they are now. Like the, the, okay. the quiet kind of hard touring band that mm -hmm. like the diehards love, but doesn't have much reach outside of that kind of sphere anymore. And they weren't really like, I wouldn't say they were really trying to grab those younger Didn't uh, want markets. Like there were, there were some bands that have, you know, like say like Offspring or something like that, that really tried to change with the times. Yeah, but uh, but Pearl, Pearl Jam very just much Pearl was Jam, just like, yeah. yeah, we're just gonna stick to this, you know, hardcore group of fans that we have, and yeah. we're gonna do right by them. Yep, they're always okay. super good to their fans. I like I I would recommend you go and listen to their greatest hits or something like that. You might find something you like in there, but given your kind of like indie pop leanings, I'm not sure if there's a lot there. Some of it can be really aggressive. Some of it can be. There's some catchy stuff like poppy stuff that you'll probably like, and you can sing along. Well, I mean, if the there's some definitely some radiohead parallels to be made mm. and you had in rainbows on your top 10 so true yeah. how would you how would you make a parallel between radiohead and pearl jam uh i mean there's definitely those same like alt rock and anti-establishment feels to both of them i would say yep um and the guitar like the overall guitar tones are pretty similar a lot of the time too yeah 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 they both have really bizarrely esoteric fucking front front men too like yeah sometimes like <laughs> Eddie is Eddie. Eddie, I would sometimes describe Eddie's the best frontman ever, but also like the most kind of weirdly alternative frontman ever too, because he's just like he's magnetic, but at the same time, like he wants nothing to do with that whole scene. So it's mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. weird. Like he's he's his own guy, but he is. I put him up there with like guys like Bono and stuff like that in terms of like just watchability. Did you just totally smell on the front of yourself? I did. Nice. This thing's tricky. <laughs> Good thing this isn't a white shirt. No. And, and now I'm gonna wipe wipe it all over the mic. Yeah, there's gonna be some editing going on here. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I might just leave this in. Actually, it's kind of. I'm watching Tim just like wiped out his face, neck, and chest. Like yeah, he just I'm got. Gonna like take he just got. Real sexy, like man. Yeah, like he just got his. Yeah, there. That it was is. so off key. I apologize. All right. All right, Christy. Number 14. Number 14. Okay. So, my number 14, this one was hard because um the I really love a lot of music by the artist, but I don't really listen to their albums in full, so I picked the album that I thought had the best like story, but um Coldplay to me, I, I love Coldplay, but I don't, um, I love some of their like big, big hits and some of the other stuff on their albums I could sort of do without. Mm -hmm. um, but the album album I chose was, it was really hard between Rush of Blood of the Head and this, but I chose Vita La Vida. Mm. Okay. Because. Um, it's a good album. It is. It's a good album. It's like I said, it's kind of like I wanted Coldplay to live on my top 15. But mm -hmm. I didn't really know what album was best because I really like some of X and Y a lot. Um, and Russia Blood to the Head had like Scientist and, you know, yeah. Clocks. But I I don't know. I listened to the album Vita La Vida the most because of its historical connotations. And um, I liked the – it was a bit of a new sound for them, a bit of a new direction. Mm -hmm. And they haven't really revisited a ton. 
Um, I haven't but, listened to uh, much. Well, I guess I listened to Milo Zavo. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was pretty good, but I, I haven't listened to the new Coldplay stuff very much. Yeah, I like their you know '90s and early millennium music, but um, no, I thought Avita Levita had some really like had a really cool flow to it. And again, if you know, being someone who enjoys like storytelling, if I had to pick a Coldplay album, that would be it. There's really not a honestly, there's not a ton to it. Um, because it was, I really, I just wanted Coldplay to live here because I love them a lot. I would have gone, I, I, out of Coldplay stuff, I'm always like Rush of Blood to the Head is always the right? one I pick. So I, I'm not a huge Coldplay guy. I always kind of feel like they're, I don't know. Coldplay is a trendy band to, to hate. Yeah, yeah. but it's, I don't hate them because it's a trendy thing for me yeah. to hate. I just, I find it's a little, it's got that. Like kind of overblown U two sensibility to it without having earned it. I think sometimes, like maybe mm. maybe that's what it is. Like if they always I feel don't know, like I think they've earned it. I think at this point they probably occupy a pretty similar space to U two, probably for, for the the comparable generation. But I mean, like just ju- having jumped into it so quickly, like their their first album is very like kind of like Brit poppy. Yeah, parachutes parachutes album like that yeah. that one is a little more brit poppy and i don't think it and they dive into like the grandiosity in, in rush of the blood to the head which is an album i enjoy like i think it's like it's well done for what mm-hmm. like they were doing but i feel like they were like oh wait people really like that we're kind of like doing the big stadium u2 thing like and they yeah. just kind of dove headlong into it and they've never come back down from that i guess mm-hmm. And maybe okay. they have, and I should go actually listen to some of the more recent stuff. Maybe they don't something different. But this there's always... some there's some really beautiful slow songs. Like stuff like Fix You is just so oh. yeah. so oh. amazing. Yeah. It hurts in like all the best ways that Death Cab hurts. You know yeah, what I mean? it does. All, this is also a band that like every girlfriend that I've had in the past ten years adores. And I've therefore <laughs> I've seen them on like five different tours now because I'll be dating somebody that oh, loves Coldplay no. and I will I'll buy tickets to take them to see it and then be like they're actually really good live. Like they're really. They are. Really good I've live. heard they're really, really good. Um, yeah, but, but it it is that like it is, and I I don't want to say it because I'm gonna get shit for it. But they are such they're a chick band. You know what I mean? Like they're a band that is like really, 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 really adored by the female side of the population more so than anybody else. <laughs> That's not my experience, but maybe I. I, I mean, would say that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You go, Tim. You go. It might just be that I don't, you know, hang out in the same like musical circles as you do, Mark. You know, where it's more metalheads, and and in that circles, definitely, it's yeah, it's very it's very masculine. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, I don't know. I can def I definitely think that that uh, maybe Coldplay has a larger female following than a lot yeah. of the bands that we've discussed. Yeah. But absolutely. I'd say that their fan base is probably may closer to like fifty fifty. Whereas a lot of the stuff we tend to discuss is like, okay, 80% of their fans are male or something like that. Maybe. That's that's entirely possible. Yeah. yeah. Or at least the stuff I discuss probably more leans into that. Like, <laughs> there's all dudes well, at this yeah. show. My Although you'd, that... you'd be surprised by the, the, the demographic at a Pearl Jam show these days, guys. Yeah. Huh? Well, those guys dragging their wives out. <laughs> Actually, at this point, it probably is that. But, <laughs> but um, now my thoughts about Coldplay is that... Um, the male fans are quieter because it is like a band that is popular to hate. Yeah. And you don't want to get like, what was that joke? Like, you know how I know you're gay? Cause you're like Coldplay. Yeah. Like what yeah. was that from? 
Against Sarah Marshall or something? No, it's from uh, no. 40, uh, 40 Year Old Virgin. 40 Year Old Virgin. It's right. uh, Paul Rudd still and Paul uh, Rudd. the other still guy. Still Paul Rudd. Yeah, still Paul Rudd. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, you're right. Totally, when they're playing video games. Yeah, they're playing. No, you, um, no I know you're gay. Yeah. Because they're like, but, cool boys. But the, it's, it's true, though. Like, I think that it because it is a more feminine sound, kind of, like it does appeal to like that kind of cerebral, um, flowy music yeah. that a lot of women um, will openly stand up to really liking. Um, it will be perceived as like a more feminine genre. Um, but I would, I would say that, um, the thing that the thing that's hard with Coldplay is that all of their albums have like solid, solid songs. Like they're very, very, very good. They have great singles. But total full albums, and this is what I was saying in the beginning, like from front to back, if we're talking just albums, like because I would have like at least four or five Coldplay songs on my top like 25, 50 songs. But album wise, I think Vida La Vida tells the best story and is the tightest as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Mostly because it came from the like the one idea, you know, or like everything else. Coldplay doesn't tell a lot of like, um, stories that are sequential and that's no, kind of why they've very much been a single band for yeah. the majority of their career yeah which is why i can't pick greatest hint so <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's why i thought vita levito is a step in a new direction for them because it was all following this this um topic so yeah um oh and song probably for me um i think <sighs> strawberry swing would probably be the one from that album. Okay. Okay. Not song. that it's like it is a good song, and like there's some really amazing ones. Like Vita La Vida and Violet Hill are amazing. Lost is fantastic. Cemeteries of London or like Life in Technicolor. All those songs are great. Um, but Strawberry Swing, I don't know. It's just got this really melodic feel to it, and I like the little story that it tells, and that it's it doesn't try to be a massive song. It just kind of is what it is. Mm-hmm. You should really so. go see them live, Christy, if you get a chance. They're play, they're they're coming around this summer. They're coming around. They're playing at Rogers Center this summer. I was gonna buy tickets uh, for somebody, but that yeah it didn't work out. So that. <laughs> and that's why Mark's in therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I'm just looking and in my iTunes, and it looks like a lot of the songs I, I haven't gone back and listened to most of these songs since I like first listened to the album. So. Maybe I should go back and listen to. Some They're really shows. good. Vito, yeah. I mean, I love like I, I I've listened to like uh, Viva La Vida and Lovers in Japan and Lost um, and Life in Technicolor a bunch of times, but some of the other songs I've only listened yeah. to once. So I should go back and try it again. The full album is really fun. Well, it's not fun. But... Sorry. Let's see if I can do this without spilling all over myself this time, guys. Attaboy. <laughs> I think I just have like a negative connection to them at this point because it's like every girl that has broken up with me loves Coldplay, and then I'm like. <laughs> Yay. That was a thumb up for Tim, not for girls breaking up with you. Loving I was drinking without <laughs> spilling all day. I was going to ask, are you giving thumbs up with girls breaking up with me? Awesome. No. All right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, decision. Yeah, probably. But, uh, Actually, yeah, long no. term, probably for the best for them. So. But, um, but yeah, so to me, I think Coldplay are amazing artists. They make fantastic music. Um, I think a lot of the time on their albums, they do release like beautiful tunes, but then they just, the rest of the songs aren't. As polished, but yeah. Vita La Vida is the continually good. You'll, you'll get no Coldplay hate from me. I'm one of those people that like 
anytime somebody's like, oh, you like Coldplay, I just fucking roll my eyes at them. I'm like, come on. I don't. They're good. I'm not saying I hate Coldplay. I just, I, they're just not somebody that, like, I glom onto the way yeah. I listen to other stuff. Like, I have no Fair. problem with them. And like I said, I've seen them. I've bought tickets. They, they've gotten a lot of my money, so. <laughs> and they're, they're yeah. actually. Put your time in. They, uh, they're not, like, I'm not going to say they're, like, if it was going to say, like, top whatever fucking live bands I've seen, they're not going to be in my top 10, but they might be in my top 25 overall because they're really, really good live. Mm. Yeah. All righty. Where Is are we my at? turn again? Yeah, number 13, Tim. Number 13. This is an album we've already talked about before uh, with Paul, um, so I don't have a huge amount to say uh, about it, to add to it, but it's um, Neutral Milk Hotels and the Airplane Over the Sea. Um, just a fucking beautiful album. Uh, Christy, have you even heard of this album? I didn't listen to the last um, bonus episode you guys did yet, so I don't know this one. <laughs> so this is, and we actually kind of talked about this phenomenon on the podcast, where like it's sort of a cultural touchstone. Like it, there are people like if you're really into indie, then and you mention this album, they'll be like, "Oh my god, yes!" Or like if they're just kind of like a casual indie fan or whatever, they'll just be like, "What? What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. So, and not that that's a bad thing, but like they're just. It's an amazing album, but it never really got like widespread uh, sort of um, uh, recognition. Uh, I mean, there, you know, if you like read anything like Pitchfork or AV Club or anything like that, they'll reference it really, really frequently. But uh, it um, was never like a big commercial success or anything like that. Hmm. Um, but it's a really cool album, and uh, there's definitely some like Death Cab feels to it. So I will listen. Yeah, I will listen. Now that you said something, that, I think it'd be something you'd like. Um, it's not 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 as uh, emo tinged as Death Cab, um, but it has a little bit more um, uh, sort of uh, symphonic side to it. Like there's uh, maybe not symphonic. It's more like um, like a fucking like New Orleans like street band kind of thing. Like there's. Ooh. There's like brass and stuff like that on it, but it's more that style of brass. I'd also kind of compare it to maybe not directly, but like the Decemberists are very influenced by New yeah. York Hotel. I think there's a lot of correlation there if you're a Decemberist fan. So yeah. Oh, okay. Nutramilk Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have heard people talk about that band. Yeah. Yeah. And the, if they're talking about the band, this is basically the album they're talking about. Like they have done other albums, um, but I think yeah. most of them were like EPs and stuff like yeah. that, shorter. Um, this is uh, the one that everybody will point to and be like, this is you know their masterwork. So it's basically just this one guy, Jeff Mangum, um, who like in the mid-90s was like, I'm going to do something different than everybody else. Um, so And he put out this like really strange, um, lyrically interesting album. Uh, and it's widely considered to be written about Anne Frank. Um, Ooh. Yeah, so uh, there's like... Yeah, just really, really cool album. Like it, this is an album that talks about like life in communist Europe and like death and like freak shows and uh, a lot of like really interesting sort of unusual imagery. Um, there's definitely a huge like pet sounds or smile ear oh, Beach Boys influence to it. I've heard um, in the airplane over the sea. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So listen to the whole album front to back, and it's a really cool experience. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I have heard these guys. I like them. Okay. Uh, okay, I will yeah. listen. Really nice, like, little, like, pocket symphonies. There's, like, recurring musical motifs that come back throughout the album. Um, like, there's mm -hmm. a two-headed boy that opens it off, and then there's a two-headed boy part two, which closes out the album. 
Um, okay. Uh, or sorry, I have the album. I have the track list out of order, but, um, but yeah. So I mean, we've we've talked about this at length on our episode with Paul. So I don't have too much to add to it. I will say they are from uh, Athens, Georgia. So kind of in my current neck of the woods. Mastodon, okay. Mastodon's from Atlanta. Eh? Oh yeah. Yeah, they're like they they're from that area. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Mo- most times when people like look at Atlanta, they're like, oh, outcast. Or like goody mob and like shit like that. No, which... there's there's a weird there's a weird cross section of a lot of different scenes in Atlanta these there's days. A, so. There's a decent metal scene in Atlanta. Like there's yeah. one or two bars that have a lot of metal concerts and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Macedon's kind of at the heart of that. Like they were the big band at one point, and they kind mm-hmm. of created a scene in in Atlanta that's kind of oh. whatever. Nice. Yeah, they were they were huge, and they're from Atlanta. So. Um. Let's see. And uh, so I'll pick my song from this album. Um, I think I'm pretty sure that Paul picked Come, O Comely. Yes. Uh, but I'm going to pick the uh, King of Carrot Flowers, like, sweet. Um, so it's uh, sort of a three-part little suite that uh, has a um, sort of common theme through the whole thing, but there are sort of different movements to it. Um, and it's just a really really amazing like little indie rock symphony kind of thing so uh mm-hmm. yeah um it's really i think they're the best thing that they have ever done is those three parts together uh they really the yeah it's uh just just go listen to it if you if you like indie rock at all then as as we talked about on our bonus episode too like so much modern indie rock that came after this really owes a lot to this album in particular so this came out like in 98 it was recorded in 97 and it's all, all only like a 40 minute album like none of the albums i've i've listed so far are very long like that fucking vampire weekend album is like 33 minutes 34 minutes the air album is like 43 this is 40 minutes so that's, that's always that's always funny but like the, the the contrast between our album links because you always yeah. like those like really concise things and i love these sprawling massive epics which I have, I have, I'm going to end today on a sprawling epic okay. that's, uh, that I think you'll, you'll, is probably going to be the most overlap that we're going to have this episode. Okay. Yeah. Cause my, if, are you good? Are we good to go? Do you have anything else? Uh, no, that's, that's about it. I mean, I just, I just like these albums where nothing is spared, right? Like where, mm-hmm. they're, where they're not like, let's, you know, throw some stuff on here to flesh it out kind of thing. They're just mm-hmm. like, let's, you know, let it speak for itself as it is, even if it's not like a 60, 70 minute opus. Okay. Yeah, because my next album is an album that like they they actually talked about it in the interviews. They're like, we didn't want to leave anything off of this album, so it's a fifteen song, mm-hmm. sixty five minute long album, and it's Soundgarden Super Unknown. Is nice. my number thirteen? Yeah, was that one of uh, of other marks? He had a no. he had a Soundgarden album, did he not? No. Oh no, he had a Stone Temple Pilots. Album. Stone Temple Pilots. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, because like Soundgarden is like kind of they're always kind of like the also ran in the grunge scene. Like them and Alice in Chains, like there's the big four that they talk about, where it's like you always talk about Nirvana and Pearl Jam because they're like the two big ones, and then Alice in Chains and Soundgarden are the other two. I love Soundgarden a lot. It took me forever to get into them when I was younger though, because it is really weird, sprawling, dense, like heavy psychedelic music. Especially by the time you get to Super Unknown, like. They do a lot of weird stuff. Like, this is where time signature changes come in. Um, mm-hmm. They've got Matt Cameron playing drums, who's just, like, my drum spirit animal. Like, And not to mention, like, Chris Cornell's vocal style is I was just singular. Say, yeah, well, <laughs> f- 
fucking four octave range in his prime. Like, yeah. there's stuff. Um, when they got back together, there's a bunch of stuff that like they had they tried to do that he was like, we can't do these songs anymore because I'm too old now. Oh, really? Singing like that killed his voice. I uh, can't yeah, imagine I can't why. Imagine why? Right? Yeah. Like stuff like. <laughs> Yeah, early on, like stuff like birth ritual and stuff. He's like, yeah. I can't, I can't hit those fucking notes anymore. Like, it's impossible <laughs> for me to hit those anyway. But this is like, this is Soundgarden, kind of like this is peak Soundgarden. This is like probably, arguably their best mm-hmm. album, I guess, or their, it's at least their most well-known album. I don't know. Some people will probably argue some of their earlier punkier stuff is better, but this is where like they're always described as kind of like Led Zeppelin meets Black Sabbath with just like way more studio proficiency than either of those bands i guess in a lot of ways and that's saying something because zeppelin was a pretty proficient band when it came to like playing together in the studio mm-hmm. um but i like like i said the, like i feel like they're kind of like the underappreciated like one of the the big four seattle bands like they're popular and they've sold millions of albums and stuff like that but they don't get as immediately thrown into the conversation the way like nirvana or pearl jam does like they're yeah a little bit less accessible and stuff like that it, it is occasionally kind of impenetrable the way they record their albums like it's dense and some of the songs are very long and very much heavier than anything else like they lean more into they would hate that you would say this but they are the metal band out of that group that era yeah yeah like absolutely so like they hit and hard. probably one of the most proggy too Oh yeah, they they definitely like. Well, if you have you're you're influenced by Led Zeppelin, eventually that proggy side's yeah. gonna come out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they're yeah. I I finally got when they because they broke up in 1997. Their original like run was 10 years from like 87 to 97, and then yeah. they broke up. So I never got a chance to see them until like they got back and together. Then Audio in Slave happened, and then unfortunately Audio Slave happened. <laughs> yeah. And it was also it was good it was it worked out really well for my my other band like it worked out really well for Pearl Jam because that's when they inherited mm. Matt Cameron like Matt Cameron <laughs> jumped ship in 1998 and joined Pearl Jam which means I have my favorite drummer is in two of my favorite bands like I get to hear him play with both bands when they tour so what are you giggling at Christy nothing Mark's messaging me something oh okay I'm listening is though. it this booty this <laughs> <laughs> I love how much she loves that. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I think this is our new Alf. Yeah. We can, you imagine, can you imagine like the, the fucking emotional roller coaster we could put Christy on if we just like showed her Alf and then dis booty over and over and over? What was again? the other thing she Until hated? Until she just completely breaks down. What was the other thing she hated? Oh Totoro. Falcor? Totoro. Uh. Falcor and Totoro. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were it's working. So long without talking about. I know this. it's true. We've been leaving you alone a lot, Christy. So I, I've actually I've been going back and listening to some of the uh, 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 Geeks with Kids episodes and stuff like that too, and I'm getting back to the point where we were doing leaning real heavy into the Alf stuff, and they were also referencing it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, memory. Yeah, yeah. I listened to a really one of our really old episodes a couple weeks ago, and like I was like I was shocked at the difference between how like not that we're super nice to christy all the time but how much we are <laughs> on christy in the early episodes where we're just constantly just shitting yeah. on her with the elf stuff and whatever yeah yeah, yeah there were there were a couple of our members that uh that were particularly rough and were like it came out of nowhere it was like not projected at all yeah. we're like oh my god where did that come from <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway uh 
so yeah, so Soundgarden. That's kind of like that's my number thirteen. Yeah, like, Soundgarden. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever listened to this album straight through. Like I've probably heard eighty percent of the songs off it, but never sort of in the track order they're on the album on. Yeah. So that's this is one I'll have to go back and it's not it's not one I ever owned, so I'll probably have to go back and actually listen to it as an album. I I recommend that if you like that kind of like if you don't mind the dense heaviness, like kind of mm-hmm. weird psychedelic stuff that goes on yeah, in there, my, it's it's my, it can my be a concern. Yeah, my concern would be that um, you know, four or five tracks in, I'll start to get kind of burnt out on that level of it. Um, so yeah, are there are there breaks on it? Like are there slower sort of quiet quieter stuff on it to break this is it an album that's got like um it's got fell on black days and it's got um black hole suns on this record spoon man's on this record like yeah so like the, the big they're well not all their big singles but a lot of their big songs are from this cd their biggest ones i would say for sure well i mean arguable rusty cage or like um jesus christ pose those are on bad motor finger so yeah but, but like, i think yeah. i think i think like if you had to like Say hey, name 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 a Soundgarden. Black Hole Sun. It would be Black Hole Sun or maybe Spoon Man. Yeah, probably Spoon Man too. Yeah, or Fell on Black Days, depending on who you're talking to. Yes, um, that's my like that. I like that song a lot. Um, not my pick. My pick would actually be the title track, like Super Unknown, is my pick from the album. Which is an excellent song. Um, I think it kind of encompasses everything that they do really well on this on this album. It's long-ish, like it's like a five and a half, six minute long song. It's pretty hard hitting. Matt plays like a fucking beast on it. Um, I should, probably should mention Kim Thale playing fucking guitar. Is like he's got his own style. Like when they were recording this album, there's there's a funny story because like they do all the weird time signature changes that you get in a lot of prog albums or like pro- kind of more progressive metal kind of stuff. Um, they didn't even know they were doing the time changes until they were like done recording it and they were trying to mm-hmm. figure out how to like recreate it after the fact kind of thing. And it was just because they're following Matt Cameron, playing along to whatever groove he's laying down, and being like, "Oh shit, we're all of a sudden like we're we're in seven eight time over here. Like, <laughs> why is this? Oh, like Steve, you've got one piece of hair sticking straight the fuck up right now. Do I? Yeah, <laughs> like right off your bangs. Yeah, there it is. There you go. <laughs> um, Anyways, so anyway, yeah, super unknown or Fourth um, of July, which is like a very long kind of dirgy. I would say like almost doom metal song closer to the end of the album. That's really good. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. So number 13, Christy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think my number 13, and I feel like you guys are going to judge me for this. <laughs> you judge me for come all on, of mine. Come on, spit it out. It's the self-titled Michael Buble album. I... I think Mark's probably going to give me more shit than I will for that. I don't really care one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's an I... awesome singer. Like, he's an amazing like technical he... singer, but I, it's yeah. not my kind of music. Yeah, at all, yeah. So. I love crooners though. Yeah, I yeah. Love I'm the, the same way. That's why I won't give you shit for that. Yeah, I would have loved to put Sinatra um, up here or any but of. But he's the not other... an album artist. He's a no. single artist. Exactly, and Michael Bublé knows how to put together a friggin' good album. He does some phenomenal songs. Um, and I thought that this one, for being like a first, I remember he blew up Canada. Oh, yeah. He was out. huge. Canada lost their goddamn minds when Michael yeah, Buble we, existed. Yeah. yeah we I remember him at the Olympics. Yes. He, yeah. he, played, he played at the Olympic what, closing ceremonies in Vancouver yeah. or something like that. And just yeah. people were like, oh, my God. 
Yeah. But the thing was that, like, it was because he made liking crooners cool again. Well, you know? that's arguable, but <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah. that it cool, was, cool it was... amongst uh, soccer moms, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It made. Soccer, I mean, soccer mom cool, whatever that. Is. <laughs> soccer mom cool. <laughs> no, I mean, it, he made it a public style again, like um, on a on a larger scale. Well, he brought um, it to the forefront again. Like he became a very big I mean. like pop yeah. kind of sensation, right? Yeah. And I just remember like. I used to play that CD on repeat because it had been like I didn't remember the last time that I heard someone in the mainstream have such a smooth, like trained, beautiful voice. And I'm a sucker for a voice like that. Like that's why I love musical theater. That's why I, for the longest time, dated actors who could sing because I was just like, <laughs> like it makes me swoon. Um, and I does, remember. Does other Mark sing to you? He doesn't sing. <laughs> he will sing when we have babies. I know it, and he'll sing in the car because I will sing in the car, and I will force him to sing in the car. But he does a lot of this. Like this is a visual gag. Sorry, listeners. Maybe sort of not visual, but I'll be like singing like hardcore and like getting so into it, and, like flinging my hair and like you know rocking out, and then he'll be like. <laughs> like try to do it so he, I don't see him singing along. I'm like, why don't you just sing? He's like, I don't want. <laughs> so, but um, no, Michael Bublé, he's just got that sexy sound to him, and I I don't know, I just I love him, I love him, I love him. I think he's very, 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 very talented. Plus, he's got um, boob in his name. He's got boob in his name. <laughs> And he's Canadian, which the I think boobs. is great, even though he's a little bit, apparently he's a little bit douchey, but his kid has cancer, which is super sad. Mm-hmm. Um, his little one has leukemia, but um, I don't know. He's just, his music is great. I love it. And I don't think there's ever been an album that he's released. I haven't listened to all of his new stuff, but he hasn't released an album that I didn't like. Um, I, but this I can't first say I've one. I've never listened to a Buble album. Oh, not me either. The stuff that I have, like, uh what's the his like big single like just hasn't just haven't just met haven't met you yet yeah that's a great fucking song yeah have you seen the robot unicorn version of it from bad lip reading no unbelievable <laughs> it's so good i do like bad re- lip reading if i've never <laughs> plugged on up. the podcast if i've never plugged uh medieval fun time land the game of thrones bad lip reading oh my god it's so funny oh my fucking god you need to watch it and watch I the died extended cut it. of it it's so good if you like that, you should watch uh, Russian Unicorn. Because it's fluffy bunny, you're so pretty <laughs> and cute. Um, the other, have you seen the seagulls bad lip reading with uh, Yoda? No. Oh my god! <laughs> Humper posted the other day, I think, and like I'd seen it years ago, but it's just so funny. Oh god, it's so funny. Um, Humper is Eric for part... our listeners who yeah. don't know yeah. inside fucking <laughs> McMaster baseball or whatever. Baseball, <laughs> inside ball. Um, yeah, but uh, um, well, if they listen to our first episode, we I, yeah. we went into like uh, yeah on Humper. Um, but yeah, there's, remember that part where Luke is training with Yoda and he's like smacking R two D two. Yeah, they've like made that into this like awesome riff and within the song, it's just oh my god, it's so funny. Got to listen to it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, bad lip reading did this. Uh, just haven't met you yet has um a music video set in a grocery store and it's actually michael buble and his wife his real wife and um 
they changed this just it's it, they made it this like techno song that's um it's it's brilliant it's brilliant i can't sell it enough but anyway michael buble i love that album um i love his voice it's so smooth and if i had to pick a favorite song off the album it would be moon dance you guys know that one wait is that a the, is that a cover, a cover of is that the, the van morrison song yeah the van morrison song Yep. It's so wonderful night. I love. I fucking That's a great love song. That song. With. That song's yeah. amazing. Well, then you would like the Michael Bublé cover, maybe. Probably not. Maybe. I love yeah, that Van ba- Morrison. Maybe. <laughs> I love that Van Morrison original, man. But yeah, no, he did the cover of Moon Dance, and it was really good. That song always makes me think of American Werewolf in London. Mm. Love it. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm looking at these. I'm trying to see how many of them are. There's not many pardon? that are original. A lot of these are. are this is almost all covers. There's yeah, his come, first come album fly was with me. Yeah. The way you look tonight, fever. Put, put your hat on my shoulder. Crazy little thing called love. Huh. Uh, but that's kind of quite. That's kind of another reason. That's what crooners do, right? A lot, like ninety yeah. percent of the time, they're covering other people's music. At, at least and in this day and age, because there's so many classics out there. Then why would you not just yeah cover those? Yeah, and it's your, like most of these guys in your own style. It's like it's like the pop writers, right? Like they would have to have somebody write it for them. They're not necessarily like the kind of musician that are from that like Beatles mindset where you write yeah. your own stuff kind of thing. Like Yeah, they're the all... voice. They're not necessarily the creative yeah. power behind it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why I liked um this album was because it, it did touch on a lot of my favorites from the crooner age, mm-hmm. but with a little bit of that modern take. Cool. And uh I, I just really liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought that he paid excellent homage to Sinatra and um, all the others. And yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, Whose turn is it? Is it my turn again? We're, we're back. We're at number 12. So number 12, 12. Tim. All right. This one is uh, undisputably one of the greatest albums of all time and really commonly shows up on like those like, you know, top 100 or top 50 albums of all time. List and it's uh, Paul Simon's Graceland mm. from 1986. My dad says thank you. Oh, so fucking amazing! <laughs> such a such a beautiful album. Oh man, so, I grew up listening to this album in the car with the old man. This is like yeah. Bad Out of Hell for some reason, but like yeah. Bad Out of Hell. Yeah. Well, it's I mean it's a fucking amazing. Like you're talking about driving around and it. it's an awesome road trip album. Uh, my 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 number eleven is the my favorite driving album of all time. So nice. Um, but yeah, so, uh, this for anybody that has been living under a rock and has never heard, I'm sure you've, everybody's at least heard a few of the songs off this album, even even if they haven't heard the whole album. Um, but, uh, it borrows very heavily from African musical styles and also Zydeco, like the Cajun, like New Orleans sort of musical style as well. Um, so there was a lot of collaboration with African artists on this uh, album, which was kind of a source of controversy because it was during apartheid. Yeah. in the early 80s and uh, south african in particular so in the a lot of the album was actually recorded in johannesburg so um just interesting to note uh but uh the album itself has really because it's got that really heavy african influence it has really amazing percussion throughout the whole album um and varied percussion like there's some that just have you know straight drums but some that have like really interesting like marimbas and shakers and you know congos and bongos and that kind of stuff as well um and uh, some fucking outstanding bass lines on this album. Yeah. Just just, just brutally amazing, like bright, 
poppy bass lines. Paul Simon knew how to pick his uh, his studio session guys. Eh? Like, yeah. That was one of those things he was like really good at. It's just like, I'm going to spend a lot of money hiring the best fucking guys ever. And I'm going to yeah. let them do their thing. Like, that's something that, like, I think, and this is maybe just, like, a commentary overall, but there is occasionally, like, you'll get guys who do a lot of studio stuff, and they rein those guys in. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, like, a big session musician will be one of the like, best. Yeah, go nuts. Yeah, it's like, you're like if you're going to pay them to show up, you yeah. may as well let them do their fucking thing. And Paul Simon, especially on this album, he lets them just, like, just go Absolutely. crazy. Just play. Like, yeah and it's awesome yeah yeah and and on the vocals and stuff like that too because he features a lot of other vocalists yeah. like both the ensemble and solo vocalists and stuff like that too and the acapella on this album is used really amazingly and really in service of the music like acapella has become almost a fucking shtick at this point like with shit like glee and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's it's so just obnoxious and overused at this point or like what's the fucking big um Pentatonics? Uh, Pentatonics, yeah, like that. Oh, they do they do it well though. Yeah. But it's still sticky. Like that's that like it's not like they're not I don't feel like they're adding much new to the music. They're just like, here, we're doing this music without instruments. You should come listen. Mm, I hear what you're saying. This was different. This wasn't about getting followers and likes. They did it because he loved it and because it sounded good. Yeah, and because it worked with the songs and the songs he was trying to make and that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, this is another, um, absolutely amazingly structured album, uh, good, like varied pacing. There's no weak spots on the album for this. Um, as I already said, amazing road trip album, but on the flip side, a lot of the songs on this album just make me want to like fucking move and dance. Um, and, uh, so this is just a, another like really sort of happy place for me album overall. Like I can just put this on when I'm feeling down and it'll, it'll bring me back up to speed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh there are a lot of like he wasn't in the best place when uh, Paul Simon wasn't in the best place when he made this album. He'd just come out of uh, a failed marriage, so there are like some even though the music itself is generally like, kind of upbeat and happy, there are some like rough kind of darker themes in terms of like you know lo- uh, lost love and failed marriage and there's also mm-hmm. some you know kind of rougher cultural uh, African themes and stuff like that as well um. But, uh, I mean, right from the start, it kind of sets itself apart from anything else that was coming out at the time because there's, like, an accordion intro into Boy in the Bubble. And everybody's like, what the fuck is this album starting with accordion (laughs) for? Um, Accordion's great. (laughs) uh, And then Graceland is absolutely probably my favorite song on the album. I'll go right ahead and say that that's probably my pick for the song on the album. Um, Mm -hmm. Perfect road trip song. Like, it's just... Uh, full of nostalgia and catharsis. You can put it on just while you're driving on like an endless stretch of highway and just open the windows and just enjoy life kind of thing. Um, <laughs> just experience the moment kind of thing. Uh, and it really, like the lyrics on the album overall just paint really beautiful Im- imagery. It's not like over overly obtuse or inaccessible as like Vampire Weekend is. Uh, they're really simple and plainly stated and like really um, simple, easy to understand easy to sort of identify with metaphors, really accessible. Um, that being said, this is the album I was talking about earlier that clearly has a massive impact later on on Vampire Weekend uh, to the point where people were like critical of it saying like, come on, you're just fucking, sh- you know, pulling out, you know, aping uh, Paul Simon. Yeah. You're aping Paul Simon. But then Paul Simon came back and like spoke the praises of the Vampire Weekend album. So it all kind of worked out in the end. Um, I didn't know that happened. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, 
I know that I know what I know is a really great song as well that has some good like uh, African uh, like styled. Well, actually, African because the performers are African uh, backing vocals on it as well, and it doesn't get as much respect as some of the more well known singles from the album. Um, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes has really beautiful like haunting acapella at the start of it, and then it comes in with that really like great tight bass line and the horn fills and stuff like that. Uh, and then you can call me Al is probably the best known song off the album. And that's, you know, the, uh, I will be your bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, also another just fucking super tight, like slap bass line. Um, have you guys seen the video for this song with yeah. Chevy chase? Yeah. No. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's, it's just Paul Simon and Chevy chase sitting in a couple chairs, like, lip syncing to the song basically the song, yeah it's really really good um it's just you know chevy chase being a total fucking ham which is what he does best mm-hmm. and yeah. yep um and uh the african backing vocals on this one as well and you can tell me al uh, also really compliment the song pretty well uh and then homeless is probably one of the most hauntingly beautiful songs i've ever heard so uh, and again it's it's a Straight up acapella, um, you know, nice like so, sort of lower uh, point in the album in terms of the uh, beat and uh, you know chance to sort of catch your breath kind of thing. So, which is uh, as anybody that has listened to our past episodes will know is something I really appreciate when you're crafting an album is that you do have those slower songs in there and that they do you know they're not just throwaway they they still add something to the album but they give you a chance to sort of catch your breath before you might get back into something a little more upbeat. So true. Yes. I think Absolutely. this is one I need to listen to because of an album on my list. It's been a yeah. long time since I've listened to it. I'll probably that'll probably be like the album I listen to once I've done editing this episode and have yeah. a chance to relax. I'll probably put this so, on because it's been a long time since so I've heard it. So good. And also not a long album. Like it's eleven tracks, forty three minutes, like not you know, not a like crazy long uh, you know, epic album, but every song is every song means something. Every song is is used. Um it's it, there are some like nice little sort of short story kind of songs on it but uh and a couple themes that sort of overarch through the whole album um mm-hmm. so but yeah great it's, album i i i, I maybe we've talked about it already on the episode but it is funny you like the short albums and i like the long albums because it leads right into like my next one which is a very long <laughs> album too like a 14 track album so wow yeah which um, is uh my number 12 is matthew goodband's beautiful midnight nice yeah that had to come up yeah, it we was gonna. It was coming. It was coming. I was waiting for Matthew Good. Yeah, and well, that's what because I debated so much about and like it's arguable that Matt like Beautiful Midnight and Vitalogy probably should be a little bit higher. Like especially Beautiful Midnight should probably be a little bit higher into like my six through ten kind of range. Maybe I don't know. And like I did, I think we talked about it on the original, the first episode where we did our one through five, where I debated between this one and Underdogs, like mm-hmm. which one I wanted to include early on. Um, Beautiful Midnight gets held back by like one song that I'm not overly fond of, and but like if you took that one song out, it, I don't know if the pacing of it. All of my albums, as I'm looking through them now, they all have these weird kind of. They're all concept albums, but kind of loose concept albums. They're not necessarily yeah. just like one straight through. I mean, Crack the Sky is like a solid concept album, and obviously OK Computer, that on my other mm-hmm. list and stuff like that are as well. But a lot of mine have like loose threads that kind of run through them, and this is like Matthew Good doing that loose thread kind of uh album because yeah. if you look at the track list on the back it's like the track list coincide with an hour of a night so from sunrise to sun up kind of thing sunrise hmm. sunset oh, yeah. yeah interesting yeah 
So, um, I don't like. I love this album so much that I don't really have know if I have a ton to say about it. This is like in 1999. Yeah. In 1999, this album is me. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. lived inside this album for that entire year. I saw the Matthew Good Band uh, on the Beautiful Midnight Tour or whatever you want to call the different tours they did over the course of that year at least six times. Like every time they came around and I could get to a show, I went and saw them play. Like this is what I did in 1999 was just follow the Matthew Good Band and the Tea Party. <laughs> to every Southern Ontario venue I could drive to within two or three yeah. hours, I just went to the shows. I loved this Matt, fucking yeah. album so much. Matt Good is an artist I should really put uh, pimp more to my, to my American friends because he never really enjoyed like that cross the border. Uh, it's it's so sad. And like success, one of the times but... I saw him was like at a, at a Buffalo show, and like I felt like I was the only person there who knew anything that was going on. Actually, mm-hmm. no, probably not. I was with Eric. Eric was a big Matthew Good fan, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love every second of this album. Even the song that I kind of like don't love as much as I probably do the rest of the record. Like the, I love the chorus to it. Um, what so song the, is that? Uh, going all the way. It's just kind of weirdly placed. Like it's kind of awkward. I, I think it would break up the flow of the album if you took it out. But I don't know that it's it's not the strongest song overall. Um, but yeah, like everything from like the way it starts with Giant and stuff like that. Like even that goofy start with the the cheerleaders and stuff. Like that everybody knows the clapping mm-hmm. stupid thing too. Yeah. That's the way we spell success. Yeah. With the clap. And it really it it segs really well into Giant though. Yeah. And Giant's like just a beautiful, like massive epic song. And then it flows really quickly into like the tinkering start of Hello Time Bomb, which was tick 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 tick, which is just a huge fucking single. Yeah. Like that song was so big. I remember like that song was everywhere that year. oh yeah like it was everywhere it's a great fucking song yeah and it's uh it's one i mean i i still go back and listen to that in particular really often and strange strange days was a another one of those fucking high school like slow yeah. dance songs yep he is good at those though right like that apparitions yeah. like he oh, fucking yeah. knows how to hit those so hard oh, and i think that's the other reason why i would go to un- i said underdogs before is because as much as i like strange days as like the big crossover, like the girl's gonna do the slow dance with you song. Yeah, apparitions is just like for like the... seven minutes too. Like that's yeah, not a, a short six, song. It's a six minute song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Strange Days is only four and a half minutes. That's, yeah, that's that's two two extra minutes. That's that two I extra to, minutes. I get to be pressed up against boobs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, oh, high school. Yeah, oh, high school is right. Actually, this is kind of actually this would be post high school more or less. Like nineteen ninety nine. By the time it came senior out, senior year. Yeah, it's like senior senior year. Yeah. OIC, I guess we still had OIC back then, right? Yep. Yeah, but that summer was just like the summer of Matthew Good and Tea Party Man. We were at shows every fucking weekend. They were down here all the time. Um, I, I was, it was funny you were saying that uh, about uh, Time Bomb. Uh, Time Bomb's the reason I have a cowbell. Like I literally, Is it a, really? I literally bought a cowbell <laughs> so that I could do. The, there's a there's a really there's not a not for uh, Blue Oyster Cult. I don't like Blue Oyster Cult. The only yeah. other argu- the only other argument for it would be uh, Appetite for Destruction. There's so much fucking what? cowbell on Appetite. Yeah, don't fear the Reaper. I know. No, yes, I get it. Yeah. But, but I got a, I got a fever. Yeah. And the only, the only prescription is more cowbell. <laughs> the only prescription. God, that that like fucking sketch would not have worked if it had been anybody but Will Ferrell. And just just fucking yeah. giving her. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. His butt gut hanging out. <laughs> Blue rodeo. Blue oyster cult. Blue oyster cult. Blue oyster cult. Blue, Blue rodeo. rodeo. Christy. I'm tired. <laughs> we will we are lost together so there's 
We, yeah, yeah. I think that should be like the tagline of our uh, of our podcast. Our podcast. We are lost yeah. together. We are lost together. We are lost there was together. there was a high school slow dances. There there was a really good video uh, like a month ago. I think I might have shared it on my Facebook of uh, that they were just playing in Toronto not too long ago, and Gord Downey came out and sang the end of it with them. So, oh, did you see? Was it Gord Downey also got like uh, bestowed a uh, Raptors oh, a, jersey or something yeah, like that uh, yeah. recently too? appropriate yeah, yeah agreed which is the first like time he's appeared in public in a while as far it's as been like the blue rodeo was the time before that that people yeah. actually saw him yeah so he's he's been kind of in hiding so i don't know what what's going on with that but either way it is it is kind of tangentially related because canadian rock kind of thing yeah so but and, yeah canadian rock in the late 90s in the, in the mid to late 90s yeah. yeah so yeah this album uh i can't really describe how much this album means to me like i some part, somebody would probably be able to argue if you said like you you Mark you like Matthew Good Band or Matthew Good more than you like Pearl Jam. I you could argue that that might actually be true because I live like I listen to a lot of Matthew Good all the time, and I go see him constantly. He's the guy that I've seen the most um, in my life. I have seen him forty six times, uh, like live. Maybe are like, you serious? Yeah. I, I, 46? I've seen him 46 times live. Does he know you? Yeah. He's recognized me before. I was at a show in Niagara, Niagara Falls. He was doing a little like acoustic gig at a theater um, just across the border. And I was like in the second row. And he pointed me out and was like, how many fucking shows have you seen? And I was like, at this point, it, had been, it was like 29 or 30. I'm like, it's got to be 30 now. And he's like, thanks for putting my kids through college. And I was like, <laughs> absolutely, man. Like, anytime. And I... And I've seen him 15, 16 times since then. And every time and it's he not comes like around, you like you like you know fade into the crowd kind of thing. Like well, you're no, a I'm, guy. I'm I'm <laughs> right I'm, a, I'm a head and shoulders above everybody yeah. else, right? So yeah, like if he sees me, he recognizes me because yeah, he's seen me my face in the crowd. Or like I went to a VIP thing. Um, I just saw him. He just toured Beautiful Midnight. Yep. This I year. remember you talking about it. Um, and I went and saw him twice. And I did one of the VIP things in Hamilton. So I, I went and got to meet him in the band and stuff like that again. Like shook his hand. He's like, you again. And I'm like, yep. Every time, man, you, you come around, I will be here with tickets. I'm always going to come see you. I, 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 there was a time where he kind of went off and like, I kind of thought his asshole persona took over a little bit and I maybe wasn't as into it, but I just like every album keeps coming out. I mean, his asshole like, persona. You never He's heard? Asshole. Matthew Guides. Matthew Guides a real asshole. He's yeah. actually pretty... Matthew Guides. Matthew Good. Matthew Good is a real asshole. I still have that T-shirt <laughs> actually, and I bought a new one uh, when they did. They, they put another one out. Matthew Good's still an asshole um, <laughs> on this tour because that was it was this tour when that T-shirt originally appeared, and he started selling it. I had the bumper sticker on my old Taurus that said that too. So yeah, uh, I don't know if you've never heard Beautiful Midnight. Like, go. It's such a beautiful album. Like, it's got some rock and stuff on it, but it is there's some stuff and like Matt's voice is. I love the guy's voice. I know it's, it's not distinctive like distinctive, this... and it's 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 uh he's it's very emotive. Yeah, it's very emotive. I don't know if it's like the strongest voice technically. A lot of people are like, "Oh, he's got a shitty vibrato," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. but like you feel everything he sings, like everything. But it works stylistically. That's true. Yeah. So, like, it works uh, perfectly for the kind of music. Yeah, he does. I don't think I've ever listened to Beautiful Midnight again as an album. Like, this is another oh, one, and I feel like I'm a fucking broken record on this. But like a lot of these, this stuff, I've I've listened to the singles and I've heard. Well, on this, I've probably heard 50 or 60% of the album, yeah. but there are some songs on here that I haven't, so I should go back and listen to it. Um, my, my song pick, like, if you're, it's back-to-back. My, my, two, my two favorite songs on the album are, 
I have a live version of Born to Kill that I can send you that is fucking spectacular because like the way he hits the highs in the middle of it that is just like it's jaw dropping like it sounds so mm-hmm. good. But mm-hmm. um, failing the Rorschach test and let's get it on like are kind of back to back on the album. Down. It's not that. It's not a cover no, of that. Not. I know, but I'm just hearing it now in my head. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Christy's, Christy is getting ready to make babies. Yeah, there is that. Um. Let's get it on. May not be. <laughs> May not be the best song to do that to. Like, sorry, the Matthew Good bands. Let's get it on. Maybe not be the best song. <laughs> this to do podcast that. is is gonna soon become like a <laughs> a mirror of Christie's like relationship issues and <laughs> her like efforts to conceive and shit like that. I feel like Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christie's journey into uh, motherhood. Yeah. Dance robot dance a. A tale, a tale of, a tale of ovaries. <laughs> a tale. Jesus. <laughs> a tale of two ovaries. That's literally the worst. <laughs> I can't. <sighs> I can't do it. All right. Oh my god. Well, then tell us what your next album is, yeah. Christy. Uh, ovaries. Um, actually, my next album is Vampire Weekend. Vampire Weekend. Oh, what a coincidence! No, oh. I feel like Tim, you and I have like somewhat similar. Yeah, taste. it was weird. You you should listen to the bonus album because I made a comment. Um, Paul's musical tastes, yeah, fall right in the middle of our fucking triangle. Oh, really? Yeah, like he like he skews uh, you know a little bit towards my like indie pop sensibility, a little bit towards like Mark's uh, harder rock sensibility, and a little bit towards your like more melodic uh, and storytelling, like, storytelling, kind of stuff, yeah. lyric lyric focus sensibility. He will tell you to go listen to Joanna Newsom like a million yep, times, he will. and you actually Don't, probably and you would... shouldn't and you shouldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> Don't do it. Actually, you know what? It. Christy no. would probably really like Joanna Newsom. Maybe um, if you can get past the caterwauling. There is that. Wow, wow, wow. No, it's, yeah, not even, it's not even, that's 10 times better than any of her vocals ever. <laughs> no, I think, and I think yeah, a stop, lot of like, singing, kiss the girl. Half the, uh, half the time, Paul, I think Paul, the only reason I, Paul fits into the, I fit into that triangle with Paul it's is because, because I'm you, his older brother. Yeah. yeah. So like, I did a the lot same his, thing with my sister too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, I didn't influence my siblings. Oh, I think my, my music taste is so like my music well, you're taste not, that you're I, not the oldest, right? Yeah, sorry. No, I'm the middle kid, and that yeah. explains a lot. Yeah, it does actually. Need for need for attention. Need for attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm clearly the oldest. There's there's not there's not a lot of argument about yeah. that. I did a lot to steer my sister away from her boy band sensibilities in uh, high school. I was like, no, here's some you know punk and, uh, yeah. and stuff that you should be listening to. I stuff. tried to do so, the same thing with Lee's and ska and stuff like that. I steered her pretty hard towards that. And then she got more into it even than I was. So. Yeah, my sister. My sister went and saw O Town last week, but she <gasps> Ashley also, Angel from O Town. Yeah, but she also um, she also dragged me to see Matt Mays a couple weeks ago, or dragged me like we went and saw Matt Mays together a couple weeks ago too. So she does. He's like the Beatles and Jesus rolled it. Yeah. I like Matt Mays actually. He's pretty good. He's a good guy. Yeah. No, I'm laughing about that's a quote from Clone High. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, to Ashley Angel from O Town. <laughs> He's like the Beatles and Jesus. Anyway, but yeah, so she goes. She likes that kind of crunchier granola stuff a little bit more. But like, she mm-hmm. likes she likes Sam Roberts and she likes. I like Sam Roberts. Maze and like, yeah. She goes with me to see Pearl Jam shows and stuff like that. So it's she. I I've definitely influenced and my obviously my brother's taste in music. When he you get further into his list and he gets away from his like I all girl singer songwriter. Yeah. 
stuff and he starts getting into his heavier like tea party tool kind of stuff that's where you start seeing my influence on him kind of come yeah out. my 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 biggest achievement with my sister would be that uh would be like uh stuff like weaker thans or joel plaskett that kind of thing i want to mm-hmm. the weaker thans are waste further down my list but i want to talk about them soon. they're they're gonna end up on my next five for sure because they they have a couple really strong albums but yeah. on every one there's yeah. one or two sort of tracks know. i'm just like whatever so uh pretty solid the whole way through yeah i i'm, I'm gonna have a real hard time figuring out whether to put uh left or leaving fallow or reconstruction site on my next oh. my next one i see fallow is not doesn't hit me as hard but left and leaving and reconstruction site are did you just spill on yourself again yes not not on myself <laughs> this thing isn't very stable so if you're having a keyboard, rough day on my keyboard though no oh. well as long as it doesn't affect like your ability to record podcast we should be good to go yeah i'll just unplug that we can still we can still hear you um all right so 12 that was me so 12 christy no wait we just talked i just said vampire Vampire weekend Weekend. we barely talked about it because we already talked about it with no do you have anything to add you have anything to add no i just really their sound is what gets me i think it's unique i think even though paul simon says that their next album like everyone said that they would rip (laughs) off of their next album but um i think that um they're just happy. Oh, I, it's, maybe it's that's nice why to... I don't like them because they're happy. I don't like well, happy the, music. <laughs> the the music, like the sound, is happy, but the yeah, the, the lyrics the, are the lyrics always. are a little darker and a little more uh, a little more challenging kind of thing. Yeah, maybe I'll put them it's on. It's kind of like tonight. um, it's kind of like OK Go. Yeah, you know, like I love OK Go, and yeah, they'll be too. on our next on my next list probably. But I remember um, when that first album came out, that Bandages song. Yeah. That is the catchiest shit ever. Oh no, that's Hot Hot Heat. Is that hot hot heat? Oh shit! Who was okay? Go, uh, Ant Music or uh, Cinnamon Lips or you would know them for all their crazy music. Oh no, I know, yeah. Yeah, I know the videos, but I'm just trying to remember what the song was that I liked by them. Anyway, but um, it's that idea that like it's it's music you can put on and just kind of you know bop to. God damn it! I don't like that. That does not like me. Holy <laughs> That's shit! Really- what? Did look, you spill again? Look at no, look no, at his keyboard. Same spill. I didn't think oh, it was no. that much. Oh wow. Oh no. That keyboard is toast, buddy. No. No, it's not. Still, no, it's not. Still it's still powered up. Interesting. I think I'll just take turn the batteries off. out of turn it right it now. You may want to turn it off. God damn it. That's bad. Watch you don't get electrocuted. Oh, it's just batteries, they'll be fine. <laughs> On air. That's so that's so low voltage it wouldn't even affect them. I know, it would hurt though. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm into it. You don't know. You don't know. You don't true, know me. True, he might, true. Him and Alicia might put like little... Uh... Shit, it almost tilted over. I know. I saw that happen. I was like, ah! <laughs> nice. All right. Anyways. Um... <laughs> Is it my turn again then? Wait, yeah. what's your song? What's your song? What's your song, Fick? Oh, gosh. Right. Um, oh, I don't know. That's a hard question. Um... Yeah, it's uh, too bad. You know, we don't do this all the time, and you you should know the format already. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. No, I, I it's say I'm seventy nine. No, I'm not gonna say that. Oh, I love um, I I think for me it would be Oxford Commas. All right, solid song. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm gonna have to yeah, give these guys a chance again because like I just I wrote them off back then. It's just like pretentious hipster shit and i was just like i'm it's out of not, it though you have to listen to it okay i'll I try can see how it could come off like to your ears like that if you're not listening for the actual depth of the song 
You right there, buddy? Yeah, I'm back. Back enough. I'll clean the rest later. Okay, so I guess that means we're into number 11. Yep. So that would be Tim. All right, Mark, this is the one I think you'll be the most happy with. And uh, this is uh, Muse's Absolution from nice. 2004. Good record, yeah. 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 Um, really fucking solid. Like, this was uh, the third album from Muse, but the one where they really, like, at least had a, a crossover um, to the to North America. Yeah. Massive success, for sure. Um, so this came out in 2003, late 2003. Yeah. Um, there's, it's just a great fucking like really powerful album full of like really driving alt rock. Yeah. Again, it was really different than anybody else was making at the time. Like this was the time period where everybody was starting to lean into that more sort of quirky indie pop kind yeah. of stuff. And they came out with this really sort of like hard, like hard, harder face melty kind of stuff. Yeah. It is arguably, this is, um, what would you kind of, what would you say? Uh, Radiohead meets Tool, almost like. Uh, what did I have it described as? I actually did. Um, it's there's obviously a lot of Radiohead, but there's a huge amount of Queen to it. There, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in dude's vocals, like he's he's a up there with uh, with Freddie Mercury in terms of like his vocal range yeah. and and just the the tone and timber of his voice. Yep. Um, and I said there's a sousant of U two in there as well. Yep. Yep. So I find I find they have um <laughs> I find they have a little bit there's there's some progressive to them too like that's why yeah. I say tool like there's definitely like they do that big um they do long songs like this album's not this is not a short album is it no th- this is the one that's lo- the longest out of this yeah. uh, batch for me this one's fifty two minutes and like uh, I, think, oh, I thought it was longer uh, than that no it's not super long there's four, there are fourteen tracks on it but a lot of, but. Um, two or three of them are just like short little interludes, oh, right? Right, right, right. Okay. Um, like little musical interludes. So that's the other nice thing is it is a really nicely structured album. Like there are um a lot of the songs seg into each other, um, and they do it in a really seamless sort of way. Um, but uh, there's not a single. This is another album where there's not a single like skippable track for me. Really, everything's it's solid all the way through. It'll probably be. I don't even know if on the next episode we do of this, I'll have I'll start getting into albums where they're like one or two throwaway tracks for me. Uh mine might, but it's hard to say. So. Yeah. But no, I like this. I I, I, I love. I I think Muse at first got a lot of shit for being kind of like because um what's his name is it Matt Matt Bellamy yeah Matt Bellamy yeah. like their lead singer got a lot of shit for aping Tom York's kind of style, a little bit, and, which I and, always and like, I mean there's there's obviously that that um that influence there but there's still like it's still pretty distinct i think yeah i never had a problem with it i always like it they, they hit hard and like they're they're a good like hard alternative rock band and yeah. i enjoy muse quite a bit they're never like a favorite of mine like i don't think they would fall into my top 25 but there's probably like absolution would probably be in my top 40 probably mm-hmm. or something like that somewhere in there yeah. uh, they're a band i've seen a couple times they're fucking awesome live like they are really good live seen, i saw them live. live at coachella in 2004 yeah. and it was a really awesome show yeah i mean that was right you know they were touring this album basically at yeah. that point i think i, I think i saw cool. them on I that saw radio had the same show oh i think i saw them on tour for this album too actually like 2003 2004 yeah nice um but uh let's see yeah so it's a it's a good uh, well-paced album like the again there's like tonal rhythmic breaks um stuff like uh falling away with you and and blackout and those little musical interludes because mm-hmm. it's an intense album when it's at its you know most intense well like so what you is really it? need some breathers like apocalypse please is pretty like 
Apocalypse, please. Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah, exactly. That that is like the intro to the album. Well, not the intro. It's the first like actual track on the album. Yeah, it's it's a pretty like that. It's pretty in your fucking face. Yeah, and it really it sets the tone for the album like beautifully. Yeah, yeah. No, Um, it's it's, this is a good record. I like this album a lot. Yeah. Um. So and I mean it, it really sets the the thematic tone as well as the musical tone. So you get that feel of like any establishment and like any fascism and like yeah. that the whole album is going to be like mostly rebellion anthems kind of thing. Kind of, kind of probably again, another loose concept album too, right? Like it's probably, yeah. it's got kind of a, a thread through it that has that kind of yeah tinge to it. Yeah. No, I like, yeah. I like Muse a lot. Muse gets a lot of shit. I find like that for some reason. And I'm always like, whatever, man, they're fucking solid musicians. They put out albums that are solid from front to back. They don't, fuck yeah. around they tour hard like they tour a lot and they tour hard which is something i respect a lot yeah. in the band so and they get an amazing density of sound out oh, of fucking absolutely. three dudes yeah absolutely. like it's it's a drummer a bass player and the lead guy which who plays on top of doing vocals plays either uh guitar or piano yeah. depending on the song yeah they well they they use a lot of synthy stuff live too though they do yeah, yeah so there's a but lot of- even so like they don't have a they don't have backing uh musicians live it's yeah. still just three fucking dudes yeah no, they're they're amazing. Yeah, no, I I like Muse a lot. I don't really have a lot yeah. to say about them because they're not a band that I like. I spent a ton of time like researching or like reading about, but they yeah. are they do what they do extremely well and yeah. are on awesome. Like and and they're really consummate performers. Like for being yeah. just three guys on stage, they put on an amazing show. Um, they're really they do really sort of grab your attention. There's um, actually there there is something to be said that there is there's a comparison to be drawn and they're a much bigger band but there there's a comparison to be drawn for like density of sound live to the Tea Party too where they have that mm-hmm. like like there's just three guys but they hit so fucking hard and play so like loud yeah. that like it like What's that? I do like the Tea Party. Oh, I fucking love the Tea Party. So <laughs> I've never heard you say that before. Oh, I know. <laughs> and that's the funny thing like they're they might have an album in my top 30 but they're just not like they're not an album band, but seeing them live yeah. is just like their singles. Them. Their singles are, are outstanding. Yeah. Well, not just that, but like some of their um, they have a lot of sides. Some of their really, really good B sides are amazing, but when they when you put it all together into like a, a, a two hour long set list, it's just like yeah, fucking awesome. So their body of work overall is quite impressive. Yeah. Um. But yeah, because the the bass the, because there are only three guys, the bass features really heavily, and I'm being a bass player. That's yeah. something I really appreciate. So like, there's some really awesome bass lines, and they also use bass effects. Yeah. Uh, to a degree that a lot of bands don't. Um, the piano when it's featured is really really beautiful and sort of uh, lilting. Uh, piano lines um you don't see rock piano very often these days i mean yeah. i'd say these days this is like a 15 16 year old album actually if you if you look at my this my five albums here there's piano on four of the five of them okay i mean on this though like oh yeah this piano on this, like the majority of tracks where it's a lead instrument yeah, yeah these guys are like all over it actually christy's yeah. beloved cold play too that's obviously like yeah <laughs> chris martin loves that piano he does i love piano in any kind of music <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. It's gorgeous my my note on Matt Bell- Bellamy's vocals is that it is very much uh, Tom York in a pansexual tryst with Freddie Mercury. <laughs> that works. That that makes sense. That's funny. <laughs> um, he likes his Maynard too, though. I find like he's got some stuff in there. Like I know you're not you're, you're probably not as into the Tool side of things, but like he he has some Maynardisms to him too. Okay, he's got a little bit of a his gr- like his scream has a little Gra- bit yeah. of that like Maynard kind of growl to it that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you would say Freddie Mercury or Tom York are either really into, but he does. Yeah. He does lean into the, the more metally kind of 
scream side of things, which is very amazing thing, especially in that yeah. very because he's so like operatic about the way he sings, like that comes up yeah. too. So yeah, exactly. and that's a Maynard thing. Like Maynard brings that big operatic stuff. Well, and also very much a Freddie Mercury thing. Yeah, too. but for sure. But like so the way when he's doing like his more like the more aggressive side of things, I hear yeah. a lot of Maynard in him. So not that that's a bad um, thing or by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, because Maynard's <laughs> fucking amazing. But <laughs> uh let's see. To get I think... into some of the Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think in my next list, he's he's got two albums in my next, like, batches, like, batches. Maynard song. does? Yeah. As yeah. a vocalist? Yeah. So you got some APC in there? Well, there is, an, there is the first APC album will probably be <laughs> in my next list. Nice. Um, so to get into some of the individual tracks, uh, Stockholm Syndrome is one of, is the, one of the biggest uh, singles off this album. It's such, such a, a fucking, song. just a great headbanger, a really yeah, good fucking, like, That's a uh, yeah, sing-along uh, song kind of thing really good like fucking pounding drums like was that the first single um, too yeah it was uh, i don't know uh yeah yeah sorry sure i'm looking at the wikipedia page yeah stockholm syndrome yeah was stockholm syndrome was the first July 2003 yeah 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 um, it's a good song yeah it's a good song yeah like the this is the last time i'll abandon you like fuck <laughs> Yeah. Like it's so much fun to sing along with. I've got a my buddy Joel, who I've talked about on the podcast before, who I uh, uh, really bonded with uh, over Random Access Memories. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. We really bonded over Muse as well. There would be a lot of nights where we'd just stay up late and like sing along to like Muse and Killers and yeah. da- uh, and then just like chill out to Daft Punk. Yeah. Um, These songs are awesome fun on Rock Band too. I don't know. If yeah. yeah. Like to say that enough, but yeah, I really yeah. Muse just does a really good job of. Um, mixing genres yeah yeah they're a good fusion of a lot of different stuff that like actually they're a good cross-section for almost all of us really like the way that's what i mean like i don't know a ton of muse but everything that i've heard i really enjoy like starlight that song was my jam for so long that's a beautiful and again beautiful piano like the really like see it was funny because like i actually found muse because of um this other band that i really liked that has nothing to do with muse i know it's so good (laughs) it's so good but jack's mannequin did you guys ever hear them Uh, wax mannequin mannequin. jacks no wax mannequin was a hamilton band back in i remember yeah he was just a dude i remember wax mannequin i've met him a few times actually He's a fucking weird dude. He's a weird dude. Nice dude, <laughs> but yeah, weird really nice, dude. Weird dude. Um, but uh, no, no, no. I, I'm Jack's mannequin turned me on to Muse because of the piano stuff. Okay. It was like a suggestion um from a friend. They were like, "Oh, if you like Jack's, you should probably listen to Muse." And so I listened to Muse, and they were much, much bigger than Jack's yeah, mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So, and the, uh, I really love the little interludes and how they lead into the next songs. Like, yeah. there's the intro that leads really beautifully into Apocalypse Please, and that interlude in the middle of the album that uh, segs beautifully into Hysteria, which mm. has just a that fucking amazing bass riff opening yeah. into it. Yeah. And then comes in with like really just pounding drums and stuff. The boom, and and a really nice like fucking wailing guitar so- uh, solo in the middle of it as well so like just talking about this song gets my fucking adrenaline going i can tell yeah, you're, you're all, like you're so into up, this yeah. this album overall just like gets me fucking like hyped right? <laughs> like good. i <laughs> like Tim, it just, that's good because my, my next one's my like a, a good hype up album for me yeah like, yeah yeah it just gets my fucking blood going um 
And then uh, there's another like just really awesome driving baseline on uh, Time is Running Out. Yeah. Uh, and the, again, just beautiful, like awesome song to fucking sing along to as well. Like the, I won't let you smother it. I won't let you murder it. Yeah. Our time is running, running out. Oh, it's so great. Next time, next time we all record together, I think we should put this album on and I'll just fucking jam out to it. There you go. I wanted to play Rock Band last time we were all together, but I was drunk and needed to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, off your bottle of wine. Yeah. Next time Tim's Wee! up. Next time Tim's up, we'll we'll, we'll get into the Rock yeah. Band earlier. Then <laughs> we we were up till four playing Rock Band that night. Or something we were. Like that. We were. I left at like two as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. We after up, we after our aborted uh, our aborted recording session yeah oh my god that went so badly <laughs> someday so badly it'll end up being it. like our no last episode. <laughs> i don't want it to ever be on the web so i just good. it was bad so, i still have those files they're around somewhere they're bad yeah they're on they're on an external um, drive somewhere anyway yeah but like i said it's got a lot of really good burners but it's also got some nice like slow stuff as well like butterflies <laughs> butterflies and hurricanes is a really nice like a uh, slow burner uh has a really also has a really beautiful like more classical orchestral piano part and string part as well, like interlude to it as well. Um, like it's a really flowery, like doing these big, like uh, flourishes. Yeah. The <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's fucking awesome album overall. If I had to pick a song, I think it would definitely be uh, hysteria. Uh, huh. It's by far my favorite song in this album and probably my favorite muse song overall. Oh, interesting. Just, just that opening fucking bass riff yeah, just kills yeah, me. Yeah, just, just gets me so pick. hype when I hear it's it. A, I know, I can see it in your face right yeah. now. You're just like your voice even rose. Yeah. You're like, ah. <laughs> Anyways, all right, moving right along. Um, my number eleven uh, is my favorite driving song or tri- favorite driving album. So it's Queens of the Stone Age songs for the deaf. Never would have uh, guessed. No, you never would have guessed. Um, never would have guessed Queens of the Stone Age would make this. Number. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm gonna get it. I'm going to get it out front right right away. Uh, stupid, sexy Josh Homme. That man is stupid, sexy Josh. Uh, he's, on, he's on your list, isn't he? He's totally on my list. I love Josh <laughs> Homme. He's so good looking. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he can do whatever the, he wants. The, to me. the DRD docking sound yeah, effect. Exactly. Yeah. I love <laughs> love Josh Homme. Um, yeah. Anal. Would you call him Josh? How many? How many? How many? You, how many? You, there's arguments to be made that you could call him that. Actually, absolutely. I'm so proud of that. That was quick. that was pretty good. <laughs> um, Christy tickled herself. So, "Songs for the Deaf" is kind of like Queens of the Stone Age, big like breakthrough kind of album. Um, Guys, my floor is really sticky. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not like, just from the wine. It's though. like I'm in a movie theater. Is that how excited you got about Muse that you fucking yeah, made a mess? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry, I derailed. I was getting into it, and then I lost it. Um, this is actually, they're kind of a weird, this this album kind of features a weird supergroup version of Queens of the Stone Age. Like, this is where uh, Dave Grohl comes in to mm-hmm. Queens of the Stone Age and plays drums on the whole album. Almost quit being Foo Fighters. Like, he almost broke up Foo Fighters and just joined Queens of the Stone Age full-time. Cause wow. he loved doing this record so much and touring with Josh and, like, working with Josh and stuff like that. Which would I mean, have been at heart. He's a drummer. Right? He's a drummer. Yeah, and like this is like in Nirvana. I feel like they restrained him a little bit. He played a little bit more straight ahead kind of punk. Like he goes fucking nuts on this album. He is everywhere at all times on the CD. Yeah, and it is like he is the 
that's why it's such a good driving album because he is like driving the band the whole time just like hitting hard and fast and just like doing weird like he's allowed to do all kinds of weird fills and time signature shifting and stuff that like you wouldn't have been able to get away with in your in like the the punk rock kind of punk pop nirvana mode of doing things whereas like here josh has got such a weird amalgam of stuff that he does on his stuff where it's like stoner rock and kind of progressive and like a little more metal than nirvana would have let themselves be like Mm -hmm. it lets dave just go batshit insane Mm -hmm. so but it's also like so it ostensibly it's josh homie and uh nick olivieri who are in caius which we talked about on our lost uh, our last episode uh, which will which we will re-record we'll re- someday. re-record someday um so they're from caius um and then dave grohl joins them on drums and they also have mark lanigan of the screaming trees do vocals on three or four tracks too so it's kind of like a weird kind of like late 90s alternative super group doing a, a queens of the stone age album which mm-hmm. is something that josh is fond of doing because he's also them crooked vultures which is like again dave grohl back on the album and then John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna look up my Queens of the Stone Age in my iTunes, but uh, there's a problem with my keyboard right now. <laughs> you can't mouse over to it, buddy. <laughs> um, God damn it. So this, yeah, and this is like um, the, the reason why I say this is my favorite driving album. It's always so pro- like propulsive. I pro- yeah. like the only time I've ever gotten a speeding ticket was I was listening to this driving late at night and this is like rage riding music yeah oh it is it's angry <laughs> driving music not just like just not just like road trip music but like fucking lead foot music yeah it is <laughs> and it totally is so like if the and the it it goes like from between millionaire no one knows um first to give it and then song for the dead like right at the top of the album if you're not if you're doing if you're fucking not redlining your car by the time you're through <laughs> song for the dead there's something fucking wrong with the way you are listening to music or something Wired. like that. Yeah, because <laughs> it, like, it just makes you put your foot down. Like You just need to go fast when you're listening to that. And that was Song for the Dead where I got pulled over. Like The guy the guy came flying out behind me and I was like, shit, Josh, you just got me a speeding ticket, you prick. <laughs> um, I Did you even... send it to him? I actually posted it on my uh, Twitter at one point and like added, <laughs> at, Queen, at QOTSA I sent it to him. I'm like, this is because of uh, fucking song for the dead. Thank you. Um, they, they, That's hilarious. They never replied, but... And then their lawyer replied and said, "Queens of the Stone Age <laughs> is, not <laughs> is not responsible for, for speaking while well listening to songs for the dead." Uh, be, uh, be, That's so funny. Us being so awesome is not a reason for you to be a shitty driver, yeah. asshole. Pretty much would have probably been the more Josh Homme way of putting it, but um, I don't know. They're just like they're. I feel like they're. If you're a like, they're like a musicians band. Like if you're big into like playing in a rock band or whatever, they're this, very technical. Yeah, they're a very technically sound band, and like they don't shy away from like doing studio weird studio stuff. Or like we talked about, like the the kind of proggy time signature shifting that goes on. Mm-hmm. It, it's super prevalent here because they've got Dave Grohl just like yeah, they've just got people that can handle it. Yeah, and it's like they let the guys do. Like everybody plays super hard, plays to like the the highest level they can, and like you can hear it on this album. Like Josh is destroying the guitar solos all over the place, and like every like all the, but it's still like super catchy. Like that no one knows riff. Like who doesn't recognize that song? Like even if Chrissy doesn't know the the name, like the name of the song, 
if I played you No One Knows, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, exactly. Like, everybody knows that song. Yeah. That won't be a sync at all when we actually put this together. No, that's fine. I could sync it up, but I'm not going to. So, funny fact, that that the album version actually isn't my favorite version of that song. Okay. Uh, so have you heard the version from Demos for the Deaf? Yeah. With the flute and the orchestra yep. and stuff like that on it? Yeah. That is by far my favorite version. Yeah. No one There's knows. a couple versions of songs on Demos for the Deaf that are, because they're so stripped back too in some spots, like the mm-hmm. version of First to Give It that's on Demos for the Deaf, where like, um, what, what happened, because this is like, it's got this weird loose concept through it where it's kind of like, it tells the story of him, of somebody driving from LA out into the desert, like to Joshua Tree, where uh, like they're kind of based, or he was based. Joshua Tree's where I camped when I went to Coachella. Well, you were probably pretty close to Josh Hami because he lives out there. So, <laughs> um, it tell it that thing. So everything has there's these weird interstitials where like it's radio DJs talking, mm-hmm. kind of throughout it, like in between the tracks and stuff like that. So you get like it's the idea of him like tuning the radio. To yeah, tuning the radio to thing, different yeah. stations. So it's like all death metal all the time, and then they play a fucking like really really heavy fucking what song is it like Engine Head or something like that. It's on that at that point, and like mm. he just goes through all these kinds of styles. So it gets to be a little bit, um, weird, and like it gets to do different kind of genres inside like Queens of the Stone Age kind of structure of like how they do things, and they just yeah, it's got all that kind of fucked up stuff going on but all everything's thinned out a lot on it so it sounds like it's kind of almost coming out of a car stereo like by design they've recorded and produced and mastered it to have that a little bit of a thinner sound whereas when you hear the demos for the deaf version it's just like it's dense yeah it's dense like so you've got like dave's way up front just like beating the piss out of his fucking drum kit and like you can hear nick's like really heavy bass tone like shaking everything and you can tell Josh is still doing that old Caius trick where he's playing some of his guitar parts through um, through a bass amp and stuff like that just to get mm-hmm. that fuzzy, that, fuzzy, like yeah, buzzing noise that, really that he fuzzy, gets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like, it, yeah, it's, I just love this album so much. It's so fucking good. And like, it's got huge singles on it. I mean, I, we've talked about No One Knows that everybody like has heard. Um, but go with the flow is on there. Go with the flow. Go yeah. with the flow is a huge fucking song too. So. Mm-hmm. And also just, like, not necessarily, like, technically really good bass, but really good just driving bass. Driving bass, yeah. Nick, Nick yeah. Nick's not, like, uh, like a virtuoso bass player, but he yeah. knows how to, like, crank up and, like, yeah. hit you hard over the head it's, with that. It's, uh, yeah. He doesn't need to be, especially on this album, though, because it's always got, like, they've got Dave Grohl also working the rhythm section foundation, who he is technically... He is a, a fucking virtuoso. Yeah, he is an astoundingly mm. good drummer. On, on so. drums, absolutely. Yeah, he's, a, like, a spectacular. But yeah, that's it. Number eleven, Queens of the Stone Age songs for the deaf. Like, what's your what's your song pick? My song pick is First It Giveth. Is my favorite. Like, it's my favorite song out of all the songs that I love playing along to on the drums. That song is it's hard to play, but it's fun like to play too. Like, it's got mm-hmm. a weird the 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 chorus has a weird kind of lilt, lilted kind of you have to hit the tom and the cymbal kind of in pattern at the same time with one hand to keep it going. And it's hard, it's tricky to get down, but once you get it down, it's like super satisfying to keep that pattern going. It's fun. Um, so it's first to give it, and then it, that segs really quickly into Song for the Dead, which is like Mark Lanigan's all over it, and like 
there's a huge drum solo at the end where Dave's just like fucking destroying his kit. It sounds amazing. So it's also the song they close all their live sets with, and they have since this like this album came out. Songs for the Dead's kind of like their I don't know whatever you want to whatever a big epic closing number is like that's theirs. So yeah, yeah, they close nice. every show with Song for the like you know you know you haven't heard the end of a Queens of the Stone Age set until a Song for the Dead gets played. And that's kind of the way it works. Have they ever played Songs for the Deaf live? Uh, the the version of the, song for the, the Easter egg track. Oh, that's the real song for the deaf. No, they've never played that. <laughs> there is a, there is a track at the end of the album called Song for the Deaf too. Yeah. So they played that one live. Um, but the real song for the deaf, no, they've not played that one. Live. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we are at the end. I'm hoping I can cut a lot out of this recording. My, my it's still me though. Yeah. No, I know. That's what I mean. This is the end. Oh, this like... is the end. <laughs> my yeah. silent friends. The yeah. end. Yeah. Exactly. So, Christy, number 11. Uh, and this is the one that Tim and you are probably going to hate me for using, but um, Simon and Garfunkel with the Graduate soundtrack. But that's all Simon and Garfunkel, though. It you're, is all Simon and Garfunkel. Okay. It is an amazing album. That I chose that one. I know because it does have a lot of their greatest hits, but still, I think that it was absolutely Here's the question. Well, and, and Did they, they record re- original stuff for it? Yeah. Okay. Then I'm. Yeah. I'm yeah. I, I will. I will allow it. There's like what two or three different versions of "Sounds of Silence" yeah. on that uh, on that album. Yes. And they're all they're all great in their own way. Mm-hmm. So yes, I yes. am good. Okay. With, I am good with good. that, Christy. Excellent. Props. Props. Thank you. Okay, because that this album, like, not only for you know, does it fit my my music stereotype, which is like you said, melodic and storytelling, mm-hmm. but Holy shit, is it beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, Simon and Garfunkel are two of my absolute, like, out of duos in music history, they just stand out because everything they did was gorgeous. And now we know Paul Simon was really the best <laughs> kind of whole operation. I was going to say, l- let's not give Garfunkel too much credit here, <laughs> folks. But, but, together. Asi- aside from did... having a, a, an amazing name. Yeah. But they did produce outstandingly beautiful work. Yeah. And it was all like, it. you know, Eleanor Rigby, that song, I remember like hearing it and just being like so depressed and like knowing that the Beatles were like, you know, creating this, I don't know, there's something about Eleanor Rigby that just stuck out to me. And then when I listened to Simon It's emotionally Carpenter, it manipulative. Like, yeah. And, yeah, I see what you're saying. And uh, this but, Simon and Garfunkel can get the same emotionally manipulativeness but it's most of their music (laughs) but like scarborough fair oh my god Mm -hmm. that song like breaks my soul into that one i don't think that that wasn't uh inherent to this album like that no it's uh, not no it's not even it's it's in this as like um on wikipedia i remember it was i'm just seeing it's listed as interlude although i think they no there's two versions there's uh there's an interlude version, and then there's also like a six-minute mm-hmm. uh, version of it as well. On yeah. It, so, and it wasn't like the penultimate or the penultimate. It wasn't the you know the best song on this album, but it just like the way they used all of their own work to move the film along, but you know, along with Dustin Hoffman's just yeah. outrageously good acting. Like, I just ugh, it just the album is it just the way it was put together, the way it was produced, the way that it still gave them creative freedom to like explore their own original sounds. Yeah. I just, I loved it. I think you'd be hard pressed to find another album or another song that matches a movie 
as well as Mrs. Robinson matches The Graduate. It's true. Like another soundtrack song that really, you know, people identify with a movie to that extent. It's true. Like, like you could probably it, do it if yeah. you really thought about it, but like that is one of those really iconic soundtrack. For some reason, when you said that, immediately I wanted to defend um, "May It Be" from Lord of the Rings. But I was like, <laughs> it's not the same. It's not. Yeah, the same. let's go to Enya. Let's go to that guy. Yeah, Enya. <laughs> let's oh. go to the Undying Lands with Enya. Oh, so good. But um, no, you're right though. And Mrs. Robinson, like the that song. Yeah, you're right. Just like so many of the songs, you know, you think Simon and Garfunkel, you think, you know, Simon and Garfunkel song, you you just think of the two, but you're right. The um, Mrs. Robinson, you immediately like, oh, The Graduate. Yeah. And like that super iconic image of Dustin Hoffman, like standing there with her, like unraveling her uh, stocking and everything. Yeah. 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 Just the leg. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I don't, it's kind of like what Mark said earlier, like the album, I just enjoy the album so much. I don't really have much to say. I just, I mean, we've talked about uh, Paul Simon already and why he's brilliant in this uh, episode. But um, I just remember, like, growing up and listening to this album and just, I love it. I love it. I love them. I love the music. Yeah. That would be it. And this was probably, like, their biggest thing. Well, at least Paul Simon's biggest thing until Graceland. Graceland like, he yeah. did put out. Well, he put out um, Bridge Over Troubled Water, like, but that was basically just the single, right? Well, no, I yeah. guess, let's be honest, that also had Cecilia on it and uh, El Condor Passa. Cecilia. Yeah. Um, Cecilia, uh. so if Eric ever actually listens to this, uh, was the theme song, basically, of, uh, of Widden, the residence that we both lived in. So oh, anytime yeah. there was a Widden party, somebody would play that and everybody would just lose their goddamn fucking minds. <laughs> We had that. We had um. We used that song for our Hamlet production when we were in uh, at Mac, and but we changed it to Ophelia. <laughs> you're breaking my heart. Yeah. You're shaking my confidence daily. Yeah. But um. No, I just I yeah. For if I had to pick a favorite song, I mean, how do I choose between Sound of Silence and Scarborough Fair or Mrs. Robinson? How do I choose between those three? You know what I mean? It's tough. I don't think I can. So I won't. <laughs> <laughs> and Christy cops out in an, a very much cops. dance robot dance end to the episode. Well, it's just like I've already been, I'm already having trouble with my albums because I thought we were just doing the top five when we initially started. <laughs> and I like mentioned Mother Mother on oh, my heart and like, you know, Tarzan and, uh, you know, various Muppet things. <laughs> Which is funny because when we started doing that, that we, we did that episode, we blatantly up front said, said it's going to be a series. Cause... First in a series, yeah. yeah. I know, but like I kept having honorable mentions because to me they were still belonged to my top five, but like were tied. And now and, and now they're done. You can't yeah, now they're just like, I can't even talk about them anymore. <laughs> I can't talk about it. Oh, my heart. I can't talk about how amazing Phil Collins' soundtrack for Tarzan was. <laughs> so many good ones anyway let's all right everybody for like two and a half hours oops oh no did we lose christy all right everybody <laughs> all right thanks for listening to us this week uh we hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoy recording these um obviously i don't know christy gets hate on about <laughs> the the album ones but tim and i obviously <laughs> fucking love doing these these episodes so 
Um, if you enjoyed it, uh, give us a like on our Facebook page where you can find us, facebook.com slash Podcast. We're on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. Um, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Stitcher, blah, 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 blah. Um, again, <laughs> thanks for listening. I'm Mark. Tim, say goodnight. Go patronize your local comic book store for free comic, free comic book, book day. day. Uh, go, yeah, go, go grab some books. Except guys. this is going to air well after free comic book Absolutely, day. Absolutely, yeah. I hope you went out and patronized your local. There comic you book go. Store. And Chrissy, say goodnight. Goodnight. Awesome. That was piercing. Yeah, it was very loud. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, You're welcome. This has You're been welcome. Dance Robot Dance. Uh, thank you for, for everything in the world. In the world. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, baby boomer Santa. Baby boomer Santa. Thank you for MTV. MTV. <laughs> baby boomer Santa. There's our community Thank reference, you for folks. Everything. We haven't done one of those in a while. Nah. All right. Bye. It's going to be super in sync, I can tell. I was waiting for you. You were going slow, so I was like... No, no, it's just the fact that we're a thousand miles away from each other.